now introducing a man whose list of responsibilities has grown larger now that he has to talk me off the ledge with the cancellation of opening day for the second time in three years. Existence, well, what does it matter? I exist on the best terms I can. The past is now part of my future. The present is well out of hand. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Paul Valley. Much to do on a Wednesday edition of the program. We will talk about the baseball situation, of course. Um, I've got a little bit more information. You perhaps saw the, the junkies down in D.C. this morning reporting that Rick Pitino is Maryland's top choice. I'll talk a little bit about that and give you what I can tell you about that here in a second. Um, Antonio Rizzuto from Towson is going to join us to talk about winning the CAA. Later on, we're going to have Drew Forrester check in, and in just a couple of minutes, uh, I believe I assume he's out in Indianapolis, Chris Trapasso from CBSSports.com at the NFL Scouting Combine. We will catch up with him as well for our weekly NFL draft segment as the Combine um, Interviews are already underway. The workouts get underway tomorrow out in Indy. So that's what's going on. Um, quickly, let me cover just because um, it was what was swirling this morning, and I'll, I'll we can we can talk about everything else. Um, yeah, the junkies. Who, of course, uh, I've worked with over the years. Great guys, um, guys who are extraordinarily plugged in in the DC scene and and all things Maryland. Um, this morning they went on and they reported that Rick Pitino is Maryland's top choice. Now, if you actually listen to the segment, I did go back and listen to it. After, in, in fairness, I reached out to a couple of sources having not listened to the segment. And and I should have beforehand because it probably would have helped me in getting a bit more information. Um, I, here's what I can tell you. What I can tell you is... There is absolutely no reason for me to dispute or think that anything about what they reported is incorrect. I think it's important to gauge what they actually said. And what they actually said was this is in terms of what the donors want and the people whose money matters. And the reason I say that is only because when I ran it up the flagpole with one of my sources, all I got back... No denial, no anything along those lines. All I got back was this. Keep in mind, the donors aren't hiring the coach. And in fact, when I followed up with that, the same source said back to me, hang on a second, I want to make sure I read this correctly. From, oh, I was about to give a name. No, I can't do that. From a, a, a source connected to the Maryland program. Keep in mind, the donors aren't hiring the coach. Lest we forget, many of the donors didn't want Mark Turgeon gone either. Which is to say, there is no doubt, I, again, I'm, not, I'm putting two and two together. I have absolutely zero reason to dispute anything that the junkies are saying whatsoever. Those dudes are plugged in. But I do think my source is saying something that's important in keeping that in context. I have no doubt that powerful people want Rick Pitino to be Maryland's next coach and maybe working behind the scenes to try to gauge his interest. And, by the way, that doesn't mean that the people that will ultimately make the decision don't want Rick Pitino to be the next coach. I don't know that. Part of the problem in reporting on this coaching search, and I've talked about it with some friends of mine recently, is there is a little bit of confusion as to ultimately who's going to make the decision. It's easy to say Damon Evans is going to make the decision. He's going to make the hire. It'll be tied to him. But he has to do it in concert with other people. He can't 
if the university president says no, he can't hire that person. I don't know enough about the relationship between Damon Evans and Daryl Pines to know with certainty that whoever Damon Evans chooses, Daryl Pines is going to capitulate and say, yep, I trust you, you're a guy. I just don't know enough about it. And I've tried poking around about it, and I, I haven't gotten enough information about that. I also don't know if Damon Evans isn't just going to say, I'm going to trust whatever a search firm t- tells me. Be damned what anybody else thinks. I'm going to choose to trust a search firm. And the reason you would do that is, well, there's a couple of reasons. One, it might allow you to pass the buck if it doesn't work out. Well, hey, I was just going with what the search firm said. Two, you might say, genuinely, there's no reason for me to believe that I am more qualified to hire a coach than a group of people who do this. There's a lot of things in there. I I don't think that's the case. I think if you're in the role of an athletic director, you believe that you are plenty capable of making this decision. But you like to listen to the opinions of others. And the money people do matter. I mean, we got to deal with that. They matter to some extent. Because you still need to get a practice facility built. You can't just piss them off. You don't like this guy? I'm hiring him anyway. Like They have to be on board to some extent. What that doesn't mean is you have to hire the guy they want. As was pointed out to me during the Turgeon situation, there were a lot of money people that were very close with Mark Turgeon, important money people that were very close with Mark Turgeon. But most of them, it was more important to them to have access to the program than who specifically the coach was. And whoever the coach is going to be, their money will probably remain because they care more about the program than the person. I say this not knowing specifically. I wasn't given that information yet. I I mean, literally, I saw this pop up this morning and I made a couple of calls and texts. I don't know specifically who it is that's pushing for Rick Pitino. If you listen to the junkies, you can kind of start to read through the dots And if you know the inner workings of Maryland basketball and who the most powerful people are, you can kind of make some inferences. And somebody would say, well, I I don't know those things. Right, I get it. But I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know it either. But I could make some inferences based on the people the junkies were talking about. And knowing what I do know about the Maryland basketball program. And I don't think that's dismissible. But I also don't think it outweighs whatever the opinion of the highest level of decision maker is within the Maryland program. If Daryl Pines doesn't want Rick Pitino to be the next coach at the University of Maryland, then it doesn't matter what the money people want. The university president will outrule them because he has the power to do that. Now, I don't know. And I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this just, I don't, I, I, I got this an hour ago. I got other things I got to do today. I got to call a lacrosse game later on this afternoon. It's just not going to be something I'm going to be able to focus on. I'm not a beat reporter the way that I uh, you know have been in the past. I can simply tell you what I was given from the first person that I trust to give me information back, which is read between the lines. Almost there is no doubt 
And by the way, I never doubted that it was true what the junkies were saying, but it was important after I listened to it to separate that they were talking about money people that were involved. And that does matter. But again, the donors won't be hiring the next coach, is what I'm been told. And I know that to be true. I mean, that's indi- they won't individually or alone be hiring the next coach. That was what I was told, and I, I believe that. And by the way, the junkies also made it very clear. Who knows if Rick Pitino even wants a job? All the reporting we've heard about Rick Pitino is he wants to be at Iona. He's at an advanced age. He's very happy. He doesn't need money. He's good. He you can just sort of do this until whenever he decides he's done. So who knows? I mean, even if Maryland was interested, who knows? But it's just important to differentiate the donors, the people that have a lot of power versus the people who will make the final call. Not necessarily. Not impossibly but not necessarily going to be how this um, plays out. And this is... uh, Yeah, okay. And I just got another, just for the record, I just got another, and I'm not going to say anything more about it, but I just got another text... And and it's a it's a fair reminder. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it alone for a second, but it's a fair reminder to sort of follow up on what I just said. Just because the people with the money want something, that doesn't mean that's what happens. And there are plenty of examples in Maryland history of that not being the case. I was just reminded of Mike Leach being someone that money people wanted to hire as the football coach and Mike Leach did not become the next football coach. It's not that they don't matter or that they don't have say or that they don't have power or influence or anything along those lines. They're just not the ones that hire the coach. So that's all. That's, I'm not disputing anything the junkie said whatsoever. What they said, true. If you listen to it and if you understand, they were talking specifically about donors brokers, money people related to Maryland basketball. I'm telling you from my own reaching out to multiple sources that all of that is true or has not been disputed anyway. It's just that I've been reminded they aren't the ones that hire the coach. Cool? That's what I got for you. That's that's what I can tell you in 10 minutes this morning. All right? And if you have any more questions, tweet me. I'll tell you what I know. I'm not going to lie. Like uh, Raul Ramos told us yesterday, I'm not going to just make things up for the sake of making them up. I can only tell you what it is that I know. Cool? We good? All right. Very good. (sighs) Quickly, today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. 51 self-service kiosks available in the FanDuel Sportsbook for you to get your bets in. They are the place to be for all the big events, including UFC 272 on Saturday night. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now if you want to guarantee your table, reserve maybe a a wonderful, relaxed, uh, reclining chair in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Saturday night. Every week we talk NFL draft here on GCR. This is Combine Week. I'm going to guess he's out in Indianapolis, although admittedly I don't know that. Uh, from CBSSports.com, he is our friend, Mr. Chris Trapasso. He's back with us here on GCR. Chris, it's Glenn and Paul. Are you are you out in Indy right now? 
Normally, I would be, uh, but CBS Sports, like, they had a little COVID scare with another event with some staffers, Ooh. so they didn't send Ooh. as many. They wanted to just be done with COVID once and for all, so not as big of a contingent in Indianapolis from CBS Sports this year, but luckily, pretty much everything I can follow yeah. on Twitter and then the workouts that start tomorrow. All right, well, we let's let's talk about, just start broadly, Chris, to you. Who does this week mean the most to? Who are the prospects? And before we get anything with the Ravens, who are the prospects do you that you think this week could end up making such a significant difference for? Uh, I'll probably start with Iki Ikwanu, the offensive tackle from North Carolina State, with Evan Neal, the Alabama offensive tackle, deciding not to work out, and he'll get his chance at the Alabama Pro Day on March 30th. Iki Ikwanu can show people, hey, I can be a number one overall pick if he tests in the upper echelon of what we've seen at the offensive tackle spot over the past you know, 10 to 15 years. If he tests like Tristan Wirfs, who had one of the best workouts that we've seen at the offensive tackle spot at not gigantic, 6'4 and 320, um, then I think we could be hearing a lot of speculation about him potentially, at least for the time being, for the next couple of weeks a number one overall pick candidate. And Kayvon Thibodeau, I, a lot of what's come up about him early on is in this pre-draft process is that the Oregon edge rusher might be too concerned with his brand and off-field sponsorships, and that's a, a little bit concerning to him. But this is someone that's been on the number one overall pick yeah. radar since he was like a freshman at Oregon. And he's going to be on the field with Aiden Hutchinson, who's kind of been penciled into that number two overall spot to the Lions. If Kayvon Thibodeau tests a lot better than Aiden Hutchinson, who is supposed to be a freak athlete in his own right, I think there could be a lot of talk of, hey, maybe that number two pick to the Lions is not set in stone after we leave it. Interesting. Very interesting that that's the case. It it Does it feel – look, maybe maybe you would say, Chris, hey, it's really like this every year. Does it feel like there is more unknown related to the top of the draft than there really has been in – I guess maybe just related to the fact that it's not about quarterbacks, right? Like, does it – is it that significant to the rest of the draft world as it feels like it is to me? Yeah, this this draft class, there's more uncertainty. It's more of an enigma than any other one that I've covered. Uh, it's because of the quarterbacks, I think, because if there's a really good quarterback at the top, then that guy just almost gets written into that number one overall spot in most cases because we have the Jaguars at number one overall. They're obviously not going to go in that direction. It's a not as good, not as hyped quarterback class. And not just about that, I think also there's not really a consensus number one prospect. There's not a Jalen Ramsey. There's not a Miles Garrett. There's not a Joey Bosa that we know every team probably has at their number one spot that's not a quarterback. There's there's Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. There's Derek Stingley from LSU. There's two edge rushers that I already mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of differing opinions, and we have a weaker quarterback class. So right now we normally have somewhat of a sense of at least who the number one pick will be and then maybe the few selections after that. But going into this combine, there's more uncertainty than ever. Yes, Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. He's with us here on GCR. 
Chris, I see you've got a new mock draft out this morning, and with mm -hmm. the 14th pick in your mock draft, you have the Baltimore Ravens selecting Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Um, let me start with him specifically. I want to ask you about a couple other guys that that you have going around there but not to the Ravens, and we'll sort of talk about that. Why specifically do you think Trayvon Walker is such a fit for the Ravens? Well, I mean, you guys probably know the intricacies more – or of the Ravens more than I do, but just studying that roster, what Eric DaCosta and before him, Ozzie Newsome, seem to like on their defensive line is size. And almost to have oversized defensive tackles, defensive ends, because they use those rush linebackers kind of in that throwback 3-4 style. And Jerron Walker, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of him because I think he's a little bit raw and okay. he's not the best using his hands, but he's probably going to be 6'4", 6 6'5", 6 270, maybe even 280 pounds, and he's expected to test very, very well. So I think if any team can take someone of a raw defensive lineman and get the most out of him, I think back to Matthew Judon, Darius Smith, I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. So if – Trayvon Walker is viewed by teams as someone that has that upside that just needs to be, uh, you know, the rawness of his game needs to be coached up a little bit. I think landing in Baltimore with the Ravens would be the perfect scenario for him. And it seems like it's a need with a lot of the free agents that Baltimore has up front. So I, I bring it up because the, literally the next two players, I don't want to give away your entire mock draft. I do want people, and we'll link it up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not trying to, yeah, here's all no, 32 picks. You don't need to click at cbssports.com at all. But the next two guys on your list are two guys that I, I think are, are quite interesting um, mm -hmm. for, for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, one being center Tyler Lindenbaum, who you have going at 15 from Iowa. And then the next one being David Ajabo. And I'm going to start there only because, you know, it, it's a little bit more similar to Walker. This is really compelling to me because you literally have the defensive coordinator that figured out exactly how to use David Ajabo. And one of the issues, you bring up a couple of names that you just brought up. The Ravens have kind of had a problem in figuring out how to use edge rushers the last few years. I mean, Unique mm -hmm. Ngakwe seems like he was wonderful literally everywhere but Baltimore in his career. He was nothing during his time in Baltimore. Um, Adafi always showed a, a couple of signs last year. I think there's reason to believe there's something, but we don't know that just yet. And and Matt Judon was far better in New England than his final season in Baltimore. The presence of the defensive coordinator that figured out exactly how to use David Ajabo, I, I, it's hard for me to shake the idea that shouldn't that weigh a little bit more in terms of what the Ravens might do at 14 if David Ajabo is sitting there. Yeah, that's a really good question, and to, to tie those two people together makes a lot of sense. I think we will hear a lot of speculation about it. And do I think McDonald will definitely be, you know, quote-unquote, standing on the table for David Ajabo if the board fell this way? Absolutely. But I do believe that with Calais Campbell, a free agent, Brandon mm -hmm. Williams, a free agent, um, Derek Wolf up there in age at this point, it, it seems like, again, I, I've – Kind of from afar. Yeah, a greater need. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's a greater need, and Trevon Walker kind of fills exactly what the Ravens want. And, you know, for as much as defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, certainly head coaches, um, play a, a pretty big role on draft night. Ultimately, the general manager is the one who builds the team. So if I think in that scenario between David Ajabo 
who has a familiarity with the defensive coordinator uh, and someone, Trevon Walker, that fits more of the mold of what the Baltimore Ravens have liked and been successful with on the interior of their, of their defensive line that can kick out to five technique, can play the three technique, can play anywhere on the defensive line. It, it wouldn't surprise me if that's almost a coin flip scenario and they just go with the size and the upside of Trevon Walker, knowing that it's such a deep edge rusher group in rounds two and rounds three. Uh, and then Lindenbaum is fascinating to me because like, for us to be talking about a center this high in the draft, the guy's got to be really, really good. And that's everything that I'm getting is this guy is that good. With Bradley Bozeman presumed to be moving on from the Baltimore Ravens, they have this massive needed center. If this guy is this good that we're talking about him in a top 16 you know, type of scenario, doesn't that feel like it sort of fits a very important need for the Baltimore Ravens too? Yeah, it does. And I certainly think they will do their due diligence on Tyler Linderbaum, like a lot of those teams that need interior linemen, especially center. The Ravens need that. I, I shied away from him uh, with him on the board in this mock draft because watching Tyler Linderbaum at Iowa, uh, I think we fans have a preconceived notion that at Iowa it's all downhill running, power right. scheme. It really wasn't last season. And Tyler Linderbaum is better for a team that wants to utilize more of that Kyle Shanahan zone-blocking system. He's super-duper athletic, very balanced. I don't know if his power and anchoring ability is to where you would say, oh, this is a, a, a top 15 or a top half of the first-round selection, but everything else about his game screams that he could be you know, the highest center ever drafted. So that was another one that was a little bit more of a scheme fit where – no, there's not a center in, in round two or round three that would even come close to Tyler Linderbaum, but I, I don't know if the Ravens specifically would be a team that would love him because they like to get downhill a mm -hmm. lot more frequently than what he did at Iowa. He is Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. He is with us here on GCR. Chris, I've had a couple people tell me, hey, look, if any of these three cornerbacks slip to 14, the Ravens should be doing or jumping jacks. These are all great players. Um, again, trying to not give away your entire mock draft. You have two of them going in the top 10 in, in Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley, but you don't have Andrew Booth going until after even other cornerbacks on the list um, later in the first round. Why do you not feel as strongly about Andrew Booth as maybe some other people do? Well, I certainly think we're going to get a lot more clarity at the cornerback spot at the Combine. That's always the case because that's a position, maybe more so than any other, maybe you could pair receivers in this as well, that the numbers really matter. And, and you can almost get a good sense of, hey, if this corner doesn't run sub 4-4-5, he's not going in the top 20. Like You look at the history of the corners that are picked really early, they're the height, weight, speed, type of players. And I really like Andrew Booth. He's actually my number two corner in this draft class. I, I don't know. And he's super quick and the ball skills are there. I don't know if he's going to test as fast as some of the other players that I have going in front of him in this mock draft. Would he make sense for Baltimore? Ironically, I, I don't think so. It's, it's kind of the theme of this interview in that a lot of the plays that he made at Clemson were from press bail, zone coverage, keeping his eyes on the quarterback. That's where the, the quickness to his game, his explosiveness, and the ball skills really came in handy. So I think Baltimore is still going to want to run a lot of really aggressive man coverage, 
and someone like Kyer Elam, someone like um, I'm trying to think, Ky, uh, uh, Kyler Gordon from uh, Washington, who's a little bit longer, that has more um, ability to disrupt receivers at the line of scrimmage, would make more sense than someone like Andrew Booth, who I do like, but feel like he's more ready to be a zone specialist once he gets to the NFL. I, I, and I mean this to say nothing away from Kyer Elam. I think this... Um Given the history of the Elam family in Baltimore, I think this city would yeah. not would not handle it well <laughs> if he ended up <laughs> yeah. being the truth. But I'm, I'm not trying to say in any way that, and I think it's I think uh, Kyer is Matt's nephew, if I want to say correct. I got to yeah. double check on that. Yep. But like, I'm not trying to say they're the same guy or that it would pan out the same way. I just think the city might burn <laughs> if that ends <laughs> up being the route that the Ravens go. Um, generically, Chris, looking at all of this, there is an argument that a lot of people are making that. This is why we should have the, the conversation you and I are having is why we should assume the Ravens are going to trade back in the first round because there is so much disparity between uh, all these opinions and prospects. And knowing what we know about the Ravens, there's a guy that they're going to like and they're going to say, we can get a guy very similar or that we like just as much at 22 or 24. Do you feel like this sort of unknown about the first round or about how how drastic everybody is might lead to something like that? Or maybe does it make it more difficult to make a trade because nobody else seems to be all that interested in moving up to get a specific player right now? No, that's a really good point. I think that is the best course of action for the Ravens. And I know every fan base wants to hear, oh, yeah, hey, trade back, get more picks. But we know the Ravens aren't afraid to do that, I think, more so than any other team. In the Ozzie Newsom and Eric DeCosta era, even more than Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they want to collect picks. And that is the main reason, I think, the foundation of why the Ravens have been able to be a playoff slash Super Bowl contender for as long as they have, because they're constantly replenishing their depth. They understand that, hey, we're not going to hit on every first round pick, every second round pick, but let's just get a bunch of them. And sitting there at number 14 overall, would Trevon Walker fit? Would David Ajabo fit? Absolutely. Right. Um, but I, I think, again, the edge rusher group is so deep where they it wouldn't be crazy for Eric Zacosta to think, hey, let's move back. We have the Eagles with two selections right behind us. Then the Chargers. Then the Saints that might be in the quarterback market. Is it the Saints that want to trade up? Is it a team like the Steelers at pick 20 that wants to move ahead? of the Saints to get a quarterback if, mm -hmm. if they're a little bit desperate on that front. Um, it would make a lot of sense, and that's one of the trade-back scenarios that just seems to make the most sense looking at the team philosophy in the past, the uh, positions that they need, and the strength and depth at edge rusher, at receiver, at offensive line in this class. Do you separate – last one for you. Do you. When you talk about the edge rushers, do you separate Jermaine Johnson at all in that conversation, or is he closer to – you know, the, the Karloftis is the next group than he is to the, the Thibodeaux and the Hutchinsons. Okay, I separate Jermaine Johnson. I, I don't think on draft night, and again, this will be contingent upon the combine, and he should work out pretty well. Yep. He's a tier below those players to me. Okay. And it's, it's like me being a draft analyst, um, I, I try to watch quarterback, receiver, edge rusher, the real primary premium positions, offensive tackle, as early as possible so I'm not getting influenced by any hype trains taking off. And Jermaine Johnson had great player, awesome season at Florida State. He had one outstanding practice at the Senior Bowl and justifiably decided to shut it down and say, hey, I'm just going to 
hang my hat on that workout. After that, it was like suddenly he became like a top 15 pick, and I was a little confused by that because I think there there are some limitations to his game, but he's super long, and the high energy that he plays with um, I, I think will ultimately lead to him being probably a top 20, top 25 selection in April. Chris, is there anything I can plug for you, man? Um, no, re- okay. uh, just that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing so much. My mind is in a million places right now. Uh, find me on cbssports.com slash NFL slash draft. Actually, I'm selling my uh, grading system that I built, that I use to evaluate these prospects. It's called the Scouting Gradebook. Any of my social media accounts, just click the link in my bio, check it out. You can use the same system that I use to evaluate entire draft classes. And that's at Chris Trapasso on Twitter. Uh, And there's a link right there for you to follow. Chris, really appreciate you taking the time for us this week, man. Let's do this again at some point before the draft. Thanks so much. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. Joining us for our NFL draft segment this week. Appreciate him taking the time. Been a lot going on here in the first uh, 30 minutes of GCR. Would you rather Wednesday scenarios are up? That's brought to you by Glory Days Grill. We'll get to that a bit later. Drew Forrester will check in with us, and we'll play a little Would You Rather with him so you got time. Slow response to Would You Rather so far. Um, we need to talk about the baseball stuff, of course. We all need to do that. And so when we come back in, I say let's let's go ahead and, and, and do that. If you missed this week, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley talking baseball with Shane Turner, a current MLB scout. You can find that right now at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can also go to pressboxonline.com and click on video and find it there. Coming up tomorrow night, Stan the Fan Charles back in action. Of course, every Thursday, he and Gary Stein talk to newsmakers in the world of sports. So, Bruce Cunningham, who is actually scheduled to join us tomorrow. It's just a weird scheduling quirk. He's scheduled to join us tomorrow morning in studio here on GCR, and he's scheduled to join Stan and Ross, and or Stan and Gary, and they'll have very different conversations, no doubt. So you'll want to make sure that you check out both with the legendary Bruce Cunningham. That's the schedule for this week. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch it YouTube. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battleround. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash Sports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. John, you of all people understand that Would You Rather Wednesday is a game. Please don't try to Kyle this up. Stop. It's hypotheticals. John, I'm looking at you. You know who you are. John Little Rock, who I love, is my boy. But you know, this is a game. We play a game on Wednesdays. This is not a um, any sort of a legitimate thing. It's a game. That's all it is. All right. Speaking of which, your link for this lady on Twitter in mm-hmm. the Would You Rather 2 segment, it doesn't take anywhere. It says page not found. Well, it doesn't make any sense at all, but we will get that fixed. All right. It is a, uh, it is a Would You Rather Wednesday edition. We will get to that uh, here in just a minute. Somebody apparently pulled down their tweet this morning, which I guess is because uh, there was a viral clip from Wheel of Fortune that happened last night, and I'm guessing the people that run Wheel of Fortune felt bad for the lady involved and started trying to get clips pulled down because of it. It's it's too late. (laughs) Like, it's too late for that. (laughs) You can't fix that now. It's... It's over. Like it's feather done. Feather in the map. Yep, the old feather in the map. Uh, but I'll get that repaired here in one second. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now, celebrating the 20th anniversary of Maryland's run to the 2002 NCAA tournament title. Gary Williams on the cover. You can go get it for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations where you find Pressbox around town. Or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. It is available for you. So, um, boy, I'm all over the uh, response all over the place today, me, th- this morning. Again, those of you that are responding about what I said related to this Rick Pitino thing, I'm not telling you there's no. I'm not telling you there's zero chance. And I'm also not telling you if you go back and listen to what the junkie said this morning. And I and I, again, I regret that I started asking questions before I had listened to the segment because I, if I had listened to the segment, I probably wouldn't have even needed to do this much work on it. What they're telling you is that money people at Maryland want Rick Pitino. Money people at Maryland have wanted a lot of things over the years. They don't make the hire. Which doesn't mean they don't have influence. They do. I have been told now by two different sources, not no, 
but essentially why it's extraordinarily unlikely, and that doesn't even really touch on the Rick Patino side of it, which is that he might not want it anyway. So I'm not trying to be dismissive because I think what the junkies actually reported is almost 100% true. But we have to separate the people that have money wanting something from what the school might actually do. Those are two different things. Or they have been. They don't have to be. It could very well be, and I because I can't speak to it. I don't know what Damon Evans wants to do. I have not been told that. It's not true. I have been given one name that I won't report as being someone who Damon Evans made it very clear to people he really liked. That's not enough for me to share that name. Not enough. It's, it's unfair to Damon Evans because he didn't tell me that. And even the person that told me that said that doesn't mean he's going to be the next coach. Just someone I know that Damon Evans likes. And it's a name that's been out there, so it's not like it'd be off the radar. But that's the only thing I've been given related to Damon Evans, the athletic director, in relation to the search. So, again, I'm not going to keep doing the whole show about it. It's just the information that I was able to get for you this morning. As far as the baseball thing is concerned, um, I mean, I, I'm not nearly as emotional about this as some people are in any capacity. I mean, really in any capacity. I'm not emotional about it. I've said before, this is the, if the Orioles were really good, I might be emotional, right? Like if, if I was waiting for something that was special, I might be angry, I might be bothered. It's tough for me to feel that way because the Orioles aren't good. Because I'm not likely to have the same connection to baseball that I do when the Orioles are good. Am I disappointed by it? Sure. Is all of it hogwash still? Yes. This thing where we're overdramatically reacting to the commissioner canceling games. The games can come back. I, I, I know this is hard for people, but if I'm the players, I'm not agreeing to something that doesn't give me the games back. You still have to work out a CBA. And if I'm the players, there's no world in which I just say, so you're going to pay me for six less games? Cool. You're asking us to take another concession? Awesome. Sign us up. This is all posturing. We want you to seem like the bad guy, so it's your fault the fans are losing games. Well, no, you're the one that canceled them. It's nothing to do with us. We're ready to play. This is all nonsense. Now, if your fear is that a deal's not going to get done for some time, that's a different conversation. A deal might not get done, done for some time. I mean, that's, that's a different problem altogether. There is a real issue that exists where the, the sheer numbers, particularly related to CBT, appear to be far enough apart that it might not be for a while that a deal gets done. And this might end up seriously impacting the season because there is a point at which there's a quote-unquote point of no return. There is a point at which you can't get 162 games in. That day is not today. That is a fabricated nonsense thing 
that the owners and Major League Baseball are pushing. The day is fast approaching, though, because they they not even really. said well, not but, really. But they said that they're that they're done negotiations for the foreseeable future, and, that was, and that's the different part. Yeah, the, the the different part is if they don't, if they're a month away from getting a deal done, then there's a problem. Yes, and by the way, they might be at I least a month away from a deal done. Be. They're so far apart because it, all it takes is a phone call. I mean, all all it takes is a somebody getting antsy about something and. And and okay, let's let cooler heads prevail. Let's the idea that it has to happen at Roger Dean Stadium with right. reporters in attendance, that's nonsense. That's theater. That's all that is. It could be tomorrow over Zoom. You know, yeah. like th- this is we 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 get overwhelmed by pageantry. A deal's gonna get done because they're all together right now. They don't have to be together. Everybody knows what it is they want. Like at this point, the idea that you're learning something new about what one of these sides wants in the process, come on, we all know. And at some point, there could be a moment at which we say, oh, fine, for F's sake, let's let's do this right now. Let's get it done. Now, to your point, 100%, there is the possibility that specifically the owners are so desirous to force their hand that they refuse to go back to the table because they want to portray the picture of the sport is not profitable, so we don't care if the games are played or not. Which there's absolutely no reason to believe is true, but they want that to be known. We know what the players are doing. The players are digging in because they have to. Because the players that came before them did. They have to now do it for the next group of players. This is the point of having a union. If you don't do this, you might as well dissolve your union. The players have to do this. The owners want to. They want to portray that baseball isn't as profitable as you think it is to the point where if we don't get to play the games, we don't really care because we don't think they're all that profitable anyway. They want to portray that the players are at fault here because we're not making all that much money and they're still trying to get more. So they might be hell-bent on giving up time in order to pretend as though this is truthful. They might be hell-bent about that. I don't know. Today, today, specifically March 2nd, a 162-game season is absolutely still in play. What Rob Manfred said yesterday is theater. It's sheer theater. Arbitrarily announcing two series are canceled. Because if a deal had been reached at 11.59, you could still play those six games, but if you reach a deal at 4 a.m., you can't play those six games. We're not this dumb. It's nonsense. It's theater. That's all it is, is theater. The games 1,000% can still be played. There can be no spring training at all. I don't know if you remember, we had that happen literally two years ago. Send the teams to their own respective cities, let them do a week's worth of workouts, and then play a season. There is plenty, plenty of time to save a 162-game season, which never had to start on March 31st. 
We have delayed the World Series for other reasons in the past. In 2001, for example, when a national tragedy occurred, there was no problem with delaying things by a week. There is no need to pretend like any of this is anything other than posturing and theater. But it doesn't guarantee that anything gets done either. The dates will force this. If these sides don't get back together for another four weeks, then we know. It ain't going to happen. But today, we don't know a damn thing. We are just accepting truths that aren't truths. We're accepting there won't be a 162-game season. Why? Why are we just accepting that as fact? How does that pass even the laziest smell test? We've got to be in on it a little bit more. We've got to be smarter than this. We just take what someone says and sort of regurgitate it. I am bummed that this drags on. And I'll be really disappointed if they don't go back to the table and, and if they really do separate for a month. I mean, I'll be very disappointed by that. Does it ruin the sport? Is it worth the the loudest of the screaming that we hear? No, it's not. I'm not trying to be a... It's not. It ain't worth that. It ain't worth saying this is going to ruin baseball or anything along those lines. We, we do this dramatically. It's way over the top. It's hyperbole for the sake of hyperbole. The last 10 things that we said were going to ruin baseball did not ruin baseball. Is there someone who might not come back? Sure. There are people that don't come back to sports all the time. I am not nearly as invested in day-to-day college basketball at the age of 38 as I was when I was 18. This happens. But hyperbole for hyperbole's sake is nonsense. Let them do that somewhere else. It sucks. And it will suck if it seriously impacts the season. Today, we're not there. Today, what we've got is posturing. Today, we have theater. Today, we have, call it like it is, nonsense. We have no choice. We just have to cancel these games the F out of here. I don't have to do anything. You have to cancel spring training games because they were supposed to have started by now. You have to cancel those. And that's a bummer. As I've said a million times, it's a bummer for the people in Florida. It's a bummer for the people in Arizona. And it's disappointing, unquestionably. There are people that are hurt by this. There are jobs that can be had in the months of March in those communities that are being lost, and that sucks for them. And I'm not trying to be utterly dismissive of it. It sucks. But projecting that as meaning, well, the season can't start on time? No, not true. And even if it doesn't start on time, that you can't play 162 games? Also not true. Plenty of time. Will it happen? I certainly don't feel good about it. How could you? I have heard 
most of the blame, of course, is being put on the owners. I have heard from a small group of people that have suggested, uh, there's, there's like one particular writer in Pittsburgh, his name is uh, Dijon Kovacevich. I apologize if I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. I've actually never actually known how he pronounces his name, but he's been a, a writer in Pittsburgh for a very long time, who said, really, all of this is Scott Boris's fault. Because the actual difference in terms of the CBT is literally only money that one team would be able to spend. The Dodgers are the only team that would spend the difference in this market. That's, that's whose fault. Everybody is working at the whims of Scott Boris, getting the most money he can possibly get. It's an actual thing that's being said by a few, including that particular writer. You're not going to get me to care, is I guess what I would say back. If the owners were pr- positioning themselves as being the group that was trying to push for a salary floor and a salary cap for the betterment of the sport, I could call this more of a 50-50 thing. Because I could argue at that point that there is one side that is trying to protect the sport as a whole and the overall competitive nature of the sport. I think the majority of baseball fans would agree that the sport would be healthier from 1 to 30 if those things existed. They're not pushing for that. And we know why. The small market owners don't want to spend that money unless they're getting revenues back from the major market owners. And the major market owners don't want to share their revenues. They don't like the luxury tax. They're not interested. The owners are not trying to benefit the sport. At the end of the day, there are two sides that care about themselves. No one is concerned about the fans. So if you want to make the um, both sides argument, and I think I saw Forrester doing it last night, so I'll go after him today. If you want to make the both sides argument, the best way to make it is, well, none of these people care about me. No one's fighting for how to get ticket prices down or to how to make the sport more competitive. And it's why I have avoided trying to portray the players as sympathetic or heroic in any way. They're not. It's just easier to understand because it's one of them is a union and unions have to do this. They have to fight. But in no way are they heroic. In no way are they, am I standing up and cheering for them? Not a chance. It's just that there's more blame on the side that actually locked the players out. I hope it gets fixed. I hope it does. I know. I do. Even when I said about not being as angry and emotional as other people, I still hope it gets fixed. I don't want there to be no baseball this season. That would suck. Even in a place where we don't think the baseball's going to be that good, I still want to watch Hedley Rutschman play in the major leagues. And Carlos Correa, of course, who's going to become a Baltimore Oriole. <laughs> yep. I still want that. How could I not? How could I not? But I don't feel more emotional today because of that. We'll get there. Again, three weeks down the road, there's been no movement. We got our answer. But today, there is absolutely no reason to think that the season will be shortened. Today. 
Today there's not. It's just nonsense posturing from the commissioner. We said there was a deadline, so we've got to implement that deadline. Get the F out of here. It's just one more thing you're going to do to piss off the other side. And now you're going to have to give me something back. You want me to agree to 156 games this season? Cool. Tell me how we're getting that money back. What else are you giving me? Oh, maybe you want to move that right back to 162 games. <laughs> That's what I thought. This notion that when you're negotiating with someone over a collective bargaining agreement, you're going to get them to agree to something in which they give up more money is hogwash. That will only come if you literally get to a point where it is physically impossible to play 162 games. You've locked the players out. I, I guess there is some world in which you could just decide to lift the lockout and then implement the part where the commissioner is allowed to state the length of the season. We saw that play out two years ago where the commissioner had the unilateral right to say this is how long the season is going to be. Players didn't want a 60-game season. They wanted longer. And they ended up negotiating based on the playoff thing in order to get a few things in there before the, the, the commissioner. But they don't want to lift the lockout because they don't want to agree to the terms and, and have no CBA. That would almost be insane. They're not going to agree today to a 156-game season. If they do, they certainly don't have the power that we think they do as a union. Today, they would play 162 games. A week from now, they play 162 games. Two weeks from now, they'd still play 162 games. You have to get a point where it becomes impossible. If on April 1st they come to an agreement, they could absolutely implement the season starts on April 15th and we push it back two weeks and play the World Series into November in order to get a 162-game season in. There is no reason why that can't be done. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel great about it, but there's no reason. So, I mean, that's that's what I got for you in terms of that. Uh, I did get a response. Obviously, we got a ton of response on the uh, the interview that we had with Raul Ramos uh, yesterday, who's the reporter that first connected the Orioles to Scott Boris. Um, and this one, to me, was particularly interesting. Sam said, I liked everything about the, the interview until I heard him say, quote, Correa has switched to Scott Boris, and I hear... He has a very good relationship with people in Baltimore, unquote. That, my friends, is false. I don't know why you think that. I don't that, know why that, that anybody would think that. That, that. that struck me also because it's been reported in the past that uh, Orioles' ownership does not have a good relationship with Scott There's, I don't know why, where that has come from. But th this was years ago. But I, I don't... I don't... I don't I don't remember there being any reporting that the relationship between the Orioles and Scott Boris was any more unique than the relationship between any other team and Scott Boris. Mm -hmm. I, in fact, as we know, the most money the Orioles have ever paid to a baseball player went to a Scott Boris client. I'm not sure where this comes from. It was before that. Because I do remember hearing this. I, but I don't remember hearing it being unique in any way. Mm -hmm. I don't ever remember there being unique reporting that there was a strained relationship between the Orioles and Scott Boris that was anything more than what any other team feels about Scott Boris. Sure. He's always going to try to get more for his clients, and we don't like that because we don't want to pay more for any particular baseball player. I never there remember there being any sort of unique tiff 
between the Orioles and Scott Boris that wouldn't be the same as any other baseball team would deal with when dealing with He is difficult because he is unrelenting. There is no hometown discount. There is no anything. I will take my player literally. In fact, this is the best argument for this. You think that he should want to be here because they're more likely to win or something along those lines. I'm telling you, if a terrible team offers me more money, I'm taking him to the terrible team. We are getting the most money, period, end of story. And it's not unique to Seattle or New York or Philadelphia or anywhere. It's the same story anyone we deal with. We will always get the most money that we can get. Manny Machado to San Diego. 1,000% going to be the case. Didn't make, didn't make sense. It makes sense now. Didn't make sense two, years, two, three years ago when he signed that contract. It didn't make as much sense as going to New York did. Right. Um, I've never gotten that sense that there was any sort of acrimony that was unique between the Orioles and Scott Boris. Any different than how any other agent would have told you they maybe felt about, in fact, it would be the exact opposite. If I was Scott Boris, I wouldn't like Baltimore because they weren't paying money. Why would the Orioles not like Scott Boris? What did he do wrong to them? And again, the most money they've ever given was to a Boris client. This makes no sense. That doesn't mean that I think that, like, you know, they... they, I'm trying to. Make, I, I don't think that they consider him family or something along those lines, but I have no reason to think there is any particular unique acrimony between the Baltimore Orioles and Scott Boris. I have no idea why that would be the case. Most teams struggle with Boris clients because Scott Boris is always going to be the same thing, no matter what. There is no emotion involved. There is no. We feel strongly about our relationships. It is very simple. Will you pay us the money we say we're getting? And if you will, we're good. If not, you're not going to be happy because we're not taking less because you think we should have an emotional relationship with you. There is one thing that matters in dealing with Scott Boris. Who's going to give the most money? So to the point, if the Orioles are the team, if the or- and again, I don't know. I'm only basing it off Raul Ramos. If the Orioles are the team offering $320, $350 million to Carlos Correa and no one else is, you know who Carlos Correa is going to play for? The Baltimore Orioles. If there are two teams offering the exact same amount of money, I certainly would think that he would probably go to a, a better place if, if the other team that's offering the money is the... I mean, it wouldn't be the Rangers. They already got their shortstop. Who would it be? If the other team that's the offering... The Mariners. The Mariners. I mean, I, you know, that would be unique, right? Like, if it's the same money, I don't know how much drastically better he feels like the situation is in Seattle. I, I don't know. I mean, they were only a game out of the playoffs. I, I, I hear you, but I don't know long term that that he feels like the Mariners are the place where you want to be for 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just don't know. If, if it was the White Sox, and again, I get why that wouldn't make a lot of sense, but if it was the White Sox, of course. I'm going to go to the White Sox. Unless he just hates Tony Larusa, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be different. But if it's this, if it's if one team is offering the most money, this is Scott Boris that we're talking about. They're going to where the money is. And end of end of story, kind of on that one. From uh, Dan, Dan says, um, Glenn, as far as the baseball thing is concerned. I know that you say that saying that I won't go back is hyperbole, but I do know that there are people that did not come back after the 94 strike. 
I'm not telling you that, that means the baseball will lose the majority of their fans, but there will definitely be an impact. Nobody said there will be no impact. I, I don't know what that is. If you're a baseball fan, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this direct comparison. The, the morning after the London thing, I came on and said, I don't doubt that you guys are mad about the kneeling thing. But you're just saying nonsense for the sake of saying it. You're not going away. Football ain't ending. Football didn't end when they blackballed Colin Kaepernick. Football ain't ending one way or the other. You are going to make no impact. And no matter how hard bad faith actors tried to make it seem like football was impacted by protesting, it was not. It is the most powerful entity in the entire country, the NFL. It was not remotely impacted, which doesn't mean there might not have been a person who didn't go back to a game, but somebody else did. It was, at best, collateral damage. Negligible is more the way to say it. The damage was negligible. Whatever people chose, they don't want to watch football anymore because somebody took a knee, did not dent the NFL in any way. It didn't dent in Baltimore. The game after the Ravens came back, the stadium was packed. And then when it got cold outside, there were empty seats, and people tried to portray that as being, well, this is all the protesters. No, they were protesting the fact that it was cold. A lot of people do that. It happens every year, even when the team is good. There are empty seats when it starts getting cold because it's miserable to go to freezing cold games. I'm not saying there won't be somebody who is less interested in baseball because of uh, a lockout or a, a season being impacted. And by the way, to bring up 94, as I've said all along, the worst thing that can happen is the end of the season getting canceled. If this costs the entire season, that would be a problem. There's no getting around it. That would be an issue. But to be abundantly clear, to be abundantly clear, it will be negligible if they lose a week of the season, if they lose a month of the season. Baseball will start again. You already know all of these things. You already know the owners are wealthy beyond your wildest imagination. You already know the baseball players are making a ton of money. It's not like anything is changing. You've decided to like the sport. We can be as dramatic as we want to be about it because we feel like we're being wronged. But don't pretend like suddenly the country is going to boycott the game of baseball. Stop. We're just saying things to say them because we want to believe that that makes our voices heard. It sucks. It's a bummer. It's wrong. Say whatever you want to say. But the, this will do irreparable harm to the sport, stop. Stop. It's just hyperbolic for the sake of, sake of hyperbole. Because we want to make something seem more dramatic than it is. 
telling me right now? How many people do you think would be if if they if the Orioles play if Adley Rutschman's first game was on April fifteenth? How many people do you think would be in the stadium? 40,000. something like that. If Adley Rutschman's first game is on June first, how many people do you think will be in the stadium? Thirty-five, forty thousand. That's it. Stop. It's just hyperbole. Uh, when we come back in, uh, we're going to have to move some things around. Antonio Rizzuto from Towson is going to join us in just a few minutes. We'll get the Forrester as well um, a little bit later on. That's all on the way. Hour number two of today's program is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms the newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right. Back in here on GCR into hour number two of the program. Forrest will check in. We will play Would You Rather Wednesday. I did replace, um, I don't know what was going on with that tweet, but it's still up. I have no idea why I didn't post the right way. I did replace number two on the list, so you guys can go find it this morning at Glenn Clark Radio. Continue to get me your responses for Would You Rather Wednesday. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the hour. 
Don't forget every Tuesday morning now at 11.40 a.m., Simply the Bets. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. And we're going to be adding one more uh, program related to betting that's going to start very soon. <laughs> Literally, we might be starting it without making an announcement ahead of time because of where we are calendar-wise. Um, it's coming. It's coming. We'll be doing some more betting-related programming here as part of what we do at Pressbox and in partnership with the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, which is the best place to watch all of the big events. But every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m., for Simply the Bets, Aaron Oster from VEASAN, Bruce Billick, the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook GM, all a part of that. You want to tune in, make some money every week. It's the thing to do. By the way, uh, they did finally get the odds up for Towson in the CAA tournament. And I'll share that with you before Antonio Rizzuto joins us. Um, I believe the numbers are actually a little bit better there than they were in some other places that I was looking. So if you have been itching to get a bet in, you're a Towson fan and you want to sort of ride that, it's plus 140 for Towson. In the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, Hofter the second favorite at plus 350, then Charleston at plus 750. Interesting enough, Wilmington who Towson was battling all season for the title, ended up splitting the title with Wilmington, the sixth favorite at plus 1,100. And Patrick Stevens yesterday explained some of the reason why that might be. Um, There's a little bit of paper champion there, but Wilmington plus 1,100 or 11-1 to odds to win the CAA tournament. Towson, your favorite, at plus 140. So if you want to feel some of that, Get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel right now and get your bet in on the Tigers. From Let me lay out the three Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios, and I will let you think about them, marinate on them, as we'll get to them later on this hour. Number one, would you rather, in relation to two topics we've been talking about, would you rather there's no MLB season at all this year, but... In October, a new deal is reached, and the Orioles indeed signed Carlos Correa to a nine-year, $300 million deal in October to start playing in 2023 when there's baseball again. Or you still get a full 162-game season this year, but the Orioles don't sign an impact-free agent until after the 2024 season at the earliest. Number two. Would you rather... You know what? Pull this up because I, I, this isn't music. No, pull it up on this computer because we can play the audio. Pull up number two. For those that didn't hear the Wheel of Fortune thing from last night, it's it's unreal. I mean, it's truly unreal. So scenario number two is would you rather be someone who ended up being on a Zoom call with your entire company this morning and your entire company accidentally saw you in your underwear like you know you thought you would turn the camera off and then you decided to get changed whatever it was the entire company saw you in your underwear this morning on zoom there's no getting around it it wasn't grainy it wasn't in the distance the entire company this is the this is the audio this is the audio that's scenario number one scenario number two would be Or would you rather go back to the office this morning, the entire company's back, as this lady from Wheel of Fortune last night? A solve? 
Okay. Another feather in your hat. No. No. Oh. oh. It, it, the other two people don't really matter in all this. I don't know if you can fast forward to when it goes back to the lady. Oh, we got to get to the phone, too. I don't know if that'll work. This continued. This wasn't her only error. She made multiple mistakes in the process. You can go watch the video. It's at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. I have linked to it. If you want to get a full feeling of it, that's number two. And then number three, would you rather, let's just say Maryland really does hire Rick Pitino. And maybe they bring back Juan Dixon as a coach in waiting. You know, Patino's up there in age, not going to be there forever. So would you rather Maryland really does hire Patino with Juan Dixon as a coach in waiting, or they get their choice of any coach, including Eric Musselman at Arkansas, to be the next coach at Maryland? Those are the scenarios at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter if you want to play a little Would You Rather Wednesday. And we do have another $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill to give away for it. Joining us right now, what a night it was on Monday night at Towson. They were down nine in the second half, and they stormed back to claim the number one seed and the CAA regular season title. Joining us now, one of the key fee, uh, key performers for Towson this season, he is Antonio Rizzuto, and he's with us here on GCR. Antonio, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on being CAA regular season champions. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a terrific experience, and, and I'm happy to be on here. Hey, man, what was that like on Monday? I mean, one of the most bizarre scenarios like in the history of college basketball, right? I don't know how yeah. you guys get ready for something like this, knowing you're starting a half a game down nine. For you to jump out the way you did and then to be able to celebrate like that, what was that entire experience like for you? Yeah, like you said, first of all, this is, uh, this is something that you don't, you don't see very often, you know, <laughs> coming in starting the game down nine. Uh, 18 minutes left, you know, we just had to, to stay patient and, and trust ourselves and trust what we were capable of. Um, we've been down in a few games earlier this season um, in the second half, and, and we've been able to come back and, you know, we just trusted ourselves and we got off to a good start, and it was it was great. Um, I'm really proud of these guys, uh, you know, and the coaches, and I'm happy that we could get this one for for the program. You know, Antonio, you were an outsider coming in, right? Like, you started your career at Albany. You end up at Towson. I guess let's start with why was Towson the right fit for you? And did you see this? Like, when you made your decision, did you look at who was there and, and who could be there and say to yourself, like, there's a real chance for us to do something like this? Or did this maybe even catch you off guard? <laughs> no, I, I knew I, I had a vision, uh, and, and so did the coaches. And and some of the guys that committed before me, plus the returning guys, um, you know, before I committed here, I, I had talked to, to Terry and Cam and, you know, some of the other guys, Charles, Nick, and and uh, Jason. And, you know, we were <laughs> we were excited to get it going. And, and uh, after talking to them and, I mean, our vision from day one, we, we wanted to win. And I wanted I wanted to go to a school where we could get that done. And, um, you know, right now we're just living a, living a dream, so. Um, I mean, boy, it's special, right? It's really, really special what it is. How did it happen, um, Antonio? I, I've asked all the guys this. What allowed this group, guys who had been there, guys who were coming in, everybody maybe having their own ego, their own expectations, whatever it is you want to call it, how was this group able to gel together so quickly in order to make a run like this? Just stay patient, man. Uh, we've all been through it before. Uh, we've been on some sh some struggling teams in the past, but we've all had meaningful minutes 
and you know we know what it, what it takes to win um and we just kind of had to join together and and from like i said day one we had a vision and we had some goals and we talked about it every day and and uh i think the experience uh that we've that we have right now um has really helped us and you know down the stretch here it's i think it's really going to help us even more um you know staying patient is a big part of it and just working every day our trainers here are great our coaches here are great and um, that's really helped us. He is Antonio Rizzuto from Towson. He's with us here on GCR. Antonio, was there a moment for you, like early on in the year, where you realized what what was possible? Was there a game? Was there anything that stood out for you? Like, oh, I it, it we could do something special. Did you have a feeling like that? It's... When we played Ohio State, yeah, the way these guys were, the way the way this team was, and I know we still we fell short that game, uh, but the composure that we had and the and and you know the talks that we had at halftime and and throughout the game. I mean, we we, we really thought we could have got that one, um, and and I think from that point we kind of we really realized what we're capable of, um, and you know we've just been rolling since. Um, and you know obviously we had a a little block um, later in the season when we when we played Northeastern, very good team, and and um, you know after that game we kind of just we came together and said, listen, man, like this is what we got to do in the future. And, and, and we stayed true to that. And we've been, we've been playing that way ever since. You say you so. came together. I mean, dude, you guys are dominant. <laughs> like, yeah. You're running teams off the floor. Um, yeah. And I know that none of that matters. You got games to go play down in DC this week, but how good is this felt? How, like, it, it, can you explain how it goes from, no, we're pretty good. We're pretty competitive to you are literally running conference teams off the floor down the stretch this season. It, it's a it's a big focus factor, um, and you know we got to lock in, and uh, that's what we kind of been that's what we have been doing, um, and you gain that focus before you play and and trust each other, and and we have a saying: be where your feet are, um, you know, take it one game at a time, and you know that really helps. Antonio, you guys now head down to D.C., and and you know for everything you've accomplished, right? Like there's only one way to get into the NCAA tournament: you got to win yep. three games in three days down there. How do yep. you how, how do you prepare for something like this? How we, it's just such a different scenario, right? Like this is not easy to win three games in three days against, especially with the target on your back, the way it's going to be down there. How do you yep. prepare for the uniqueness of this challenge, which for everything you've done, you know, is ultimately going to define this team? Yep, I think uh, the biggest thing is is to focus on Northeastern or William and Mary uh, these next few days. Focus on both of them and. And uh, whichever one we get, um, you know, we got to capitalize on that and take it one game at a time. Um, the biggest one is the first one, and, and then you just cruise from there. So, um, you know, we're going to take this week seriously and work hard and and uh, trust ourselves. I mean, I, look, I, I may, may that be the case, right? <laughs> may it be. Have you, have you thought at all, you know, do you have a sense – for what it would mean, man. We're talking, it's 31 years, right? And I know you, you've you been around for one of them. Like, it's not on you that it's yeah. at 31 years. But do you have the sense, could you feel a little bit of that as to what it would mean for the entire community if you guys are able to go get this done and get into the NCAA tournament? It's it's it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, winning the CA regular season, um, the community that, that is here at Towson, and what the support that they've showed us, I can't even imagine what what it would be like if we can if we can capitalize on on a champ on another championship. Um, and the kids, man, I I love the kids here, and 
they you know coming out supporting us and and giving us a reason really to play storming um, the floor know, the other night man that was so cool <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's special so um you know we just got to put our heads down work hard and, and see where this can take us here i i uh, was told that you um you've been a volunteer firefighter in your life can you tell me a little bit about that and is that something that you think is going to be a part of you as as you continue on whatever you're doing in the future so yeah, so it'll always be a part of me. Um, you know, I, I started doing it um, right after my freshman season at the University of Albany, and I did it for about two years. Uh, when COVID happened and sent us home, that's when it kind of came to a halt and stopped for me. Um, and then when the season started back up with all the COVID regulations and stuff, it was very hard for me to do uh, both. Sure. And then obviously transferring to Towson here, but um, you know, I was volunteer firefighter, um, did some training, and I was only exterior, so I only did stuff outside of of uh calls and everything i never never was at a live fire but been to some car accidents and you know gas leaks and stuff like that but anyway i could help out um you know i love to do it and um where, where, something where, that where did that come from antonio where, why was that something that you were interested in what what drove you to to, to want to get involved with that it's... you know i i just want to give back to the community of albany that has given so much to me uh, and like i said it's, it's a great community a lot of great people um, I like to stay busy and, uh, you know, it was just something that appealed to me. One of my, one of my friends, my, uh, my freshman year and, and sophomore year, um, was a firefighter there, a volunteer. And he was like, Hey dude, this is something I think you really like. And I went over for, for a drill on a Monday night and was like, you know what, this is something That's cool. I like to do. And it's cool. Yeah. It just kept me busy. So. Do, you, do you, I mean, as, as I say, it's something to go back to, is it, is it part of your goals? Your aspirations? I assume, you know, basketball has got to be part of that, right? Moving forward. Yeah. What, what are the yeah. goals and aspirations for you moving forward? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that in, in the future, I, I would definitely get back into volunteering, uh, back home. Um, you know, I, I have aspirations to, to potentially be a teacher, uh, for elementary school, That's high cool. school, uh, when I get out of, when I get out of college here, and um that's you know that's my focus is but right now my focus is on uh yeah game, of course so. of course obviously that's what matters most right now yep. is what's yep. happening you're like dude i ain't worried about any of that i gotta worry about basketball <laughs> games to play yep. this weekend down in dc let me let me have you do this um antonio finish the sentence for me um you towson will win the ca title and head to the ncaa tournament if what and you can't say if we win three games, you got to give me something else besides that. Yeah. Um, I would say that in order for us to do that, um, you know, we have to be sharp and we have to, we have to keep our focus and we really got to trust each other. Like we've been for, for this whole season, got a group of great guys and, you know, we all love each other, man. And, uh, you know, trust, be where our feet at and take it one game at a time. And I think, I think that uh, it's something that is very possible. I love it. I love it, man. You know, there's going to be a lot of Towson fans going to making the trip down to DC. Imagine it's been pleasant for your fan. Not that Albany was terribly far away, right? But like, you know, just kind of down the road from York, right? Like, it's not a. I yeah. imagine friends and family have been happy to be able to come back and see you this year, right? Oh, it's, that was that was one of the biggest reasons for coming here as well. Yeah, uh, my my gra- my grandfather passed away last year. My grandma, she's uh she's been looking forward to to being able to see me play more and coming home has been has been a great thing for her so oh uh, it's been special oh dude you're just tugging at the heartstrings now bro <laughs> so she's been able has she been able to come was she there on monday nights uh she was not there monday night okay. my, my younger brother actually had uh one of his last games okay in high school so okay she, she did go to that but 
but now she's been to a bunch. And, and well, hang on, now I got to now I got to really question Grandma's choices because no offense, <laughs> like you guys won a championship on Monday night. I mean, I you know I, yeah. I lo- love Grandma, but I got to question some of the decision making. <laughs> Kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Oh man. Um, oh, she'll hey, she'll be there for the uh, for the conference tournament. That's awesome, man. Oh, that's yeah. so that is so cool, dude. I can only imagine yeah. what that has meant to your family, especially after losing your grandfather. To be able to have your grandmother there to see you play, and oh my god, yeah, you, you're gonna end up driving me to tears, Antonio. The thought of your grandmother <laughs> watching you win a, a, a CA title this coming. Oh, oh man. Oh boy. Yeah. All right, all right. Let, let's talk about dude stuff. Let's get away from. <laughs> Antonio, uh, where can Towson fans be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that? Uh, Instagram, Antonio Rizzuto with a zero. And uh, I'm not even going to lie. I don't even really know <laughs> what my Twitter is. Fair enough. We'll just go with that. Yeah. Follow him on Instagram. <laughs> yep, That's yep. the point. Antonio, <laughs> congratulations, man. This has been so special to watch what you guys have put together this season. We can't wait to see what's in store uh, over these next few days down in D.C. Go get them, and then hopefully the next time we chat, we're talking about you getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Thank you for taking the time for us. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. Antonio Rizzuto from Towson, um, a key part of what it is they've done this year in building to a CAA regular season title and now getting ready for the CAA tournament. Um, You can just go ahead and call him. You can just go ahead and get the Forester and go from there. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing underdog, I just assume you hate money, you hate fun, you hate all things that are wonderful. Perhaps you hate puppies and apple pie and all of the other things that everyone loves. Underdog Fantasy Football has the types of contests that make you feel like you're betting despite the fact that you can't bet yet on your phone or online in the state of Maryland. Player props, parlays, things along those lines, they've got them at Underdog Fantasy Football plus the daily and traditional, uh, weekly traditional fantasy games. They're all available. Basketball, hockey, who knows, maybe even baseball at some point. We'll see. And if you use the code PRESSBOX when you make your first deposit, we will match it up to $100 with free money for you to play with. Underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy Football app. It is Wednesday. That means our friend Drew Forrester, Drewsmorningdish.com, joins us, and he is back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, man? How are you? Oh, awesome. Yeah? Why is that? <laughs> 60 degrees. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, today's nice, right? Today is really yeah. nice. 70 on miserable. Sunday? You kidding me? What's that? He knows I'm 70 miserable. 70 on now. Sunday? We're rolling, man. Uh, uh, yeah, but you know it's not going to stay. You, you you understand what that means? Like you're not new here. It means it's gonna we're 30, all... It's going to be thirty. Exactly next right. Friday you, or you, something. You know how this goes. It, this is in fact the worst one because this is going to be the weekend where everybody goes and washes their car, right? Like you know how this is going to go. The car washes this weekend are going to be packed. I mean, they're going to be mob scened. And then there's going to be an ice storm next Thursday night or something like right, that. Like right, you know right. how this goes, and everybody's going to feel really stupid about all the money they spent to watch their car this weekend. But you know, as long as it's out of here by March 31, I'm good, man. What's March 31st? What's going on then? By opening day. Oh, by opening, right? By opening day. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, What's you, the schedule says? Yeah, no, it's it's actually not what the schedule says any longer. I'm not sure if you checked it. Um, so you're trying to both sides this thing. You're you're trying to make it seem like everybody is. I don't even care. Okay. I honestly don't care. Okay. I'm so over it. I couldn't care less. I'm serious. It. it I am so not bothered by it. 
If they don't even play, I couldn't care less. See, I disagree with that. Because the first part of your sentence I agree with, and I sort of said the same thing. Like, today I have no reason to care. And also part of this, the reason I don't care, is because I just spent 20 minutes going on about This is posturing in theater. Like, if they they worked out something next week, they're going to play 162 games because the players aren't just going to say, yeah, we're cool with you not paying us for six games because you arbitrarily put a deadline in. They're going to play 162 games if they could work out a deal next week. I don't think they're going to, but if they did, it would be fine. My point is, I don't know when it is that it'll bother me. It doesn't. Today, it doesn't. Today, I'm not bothered because the team's not any good. <laughs> like, it's I can't shake right. that. If we were doing, if we lived in Toronto, I, I might be pissed off right now because the team's good. And you got a chance to go see special players and, and feel something. I might be angry about it. But it, I'm not as worked up for both of those reasons, both for the reason that the team's not good and the reason that this is still theater and posturing. Like, this is still not... None of this is real yet. There's no reason today why they can't play 162 games. If they came to an agreement on April 1st, they could still play 162 baseball games this season. If they played 140, we would all argue, yeah, maybe the season's better off being 140 games anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Right? right. Um, there is a... I just don't care. I, I mean, I honestly... I, I'm so beyond it. These both of these nitwits arguing over stupid stuff. I don't even bother with it. Whenever the games start, let me know. I'm going to one. It doesn't matter. I mean, if they miss any game, I've said this for a month. If they don't play on, if they don't play on March 31, if this season gets delayed, I'm going to one game, and that's all I'm going to for this year. And that's just going to be my, you know, that'll be my way of objecting. And I'm going to go to one game. I already picked it out. August twenty fourth. Wow. The White Sox. The White Sox oh, come to town. Like come a good see your boy Gavin, Gavin Sheets, Sheets right? I right. That. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to one game, and that'll be my way of, you know, that'll be my way of putting my foot down and, and objecting. And and, and, and if the season it. and if the season starts on March thirty first, how many games would you go to? You know, I think we generally go to between eight and twelve. I mean, so you know, I'll go to two or three with my golf buddies. Ethan and I'll go down there, you know, once once a month, twice a month, kind of, sort of. So it's the difference. You know, people say, well, why, why don't you just not go at all? And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go to one because I want to go to one because mm-hmm. I love baseball and I like going with Ethan and it's fun. Well, that's what I, that's I'm also sort of, not going to go 10. What I just was talking about is like, we just say dramatic things for the sake of saying. That's, that's what this industry has become is let's be as hyperbolic as we possibly can be. This is ruining the sport of baseball, which is nonsense. Like, it's just not. It's not going to ruin the sport of baseball you're going to go, as we just, the day that Adley Rutschman makes his debut in Baltimore, whether it's April 15th or whether it's June 1st, that yeah, day, gonna go. it's going to be a mob people scene. People are going to go. Right. It's going to be a mob scene at the game that right. day. Because right. I agree with that. The, 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 we can and I'm as, still going to watch the games and I'm still going to write about the games, but like me giving them money, that's not happening in 2022 guess, if guess, they don't play. Here's my question. Why would that be different? What, what changes your opinion about it? You know. You know that the baseball players are mostly quite wealthy. You know that the owners are generationally wealthy. Why would your opinion about paying money change dramatically based on when the season starts? Well, it it, it isn't. I guess it's not changing based on when the season starts. It's changing based on the fact that these these clowns knew for three years this date was coming up, and they couldn't get a deal done. And it's just my objection to it. You, you, there is zero excuse for this. You guys knew for three years this 2022 season was potentially in jeopardy if you didn't get a deal done. So that's just my way of objecting, and it's and and 
you know, I, I'll go to one game. Normally, you know, normally I would have probably bought my 13 game plan back in December. Um, so it's just my way of objecting, but, um, I'll still watch it and I'll still write about it, but but I'm not going down there and giving them money. But you get the chance to see Carlos Correa live and in person. I don't understand Mm -hmm. how you could pass that up. I, I can't wait for that. When Houston that. comes back to town, that'll be great. I don't know if he's going to end up in Houston either. Yeah, he's not going wherever he yeah, goes. Right, Cubs or right, Indians or whoever pays him. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Either. We're not giving him three hundred and fifty million. I can tell you I'm that. In a, I'm in a no. weird. I'm in a weird place with this because, of course, I agree. And as a, even when we had the reporter on yesterday, I was like, "Look, I'm going to be skeptical because, of course, I'm going to be skeptical." They're not like, giving him three hundred fifty million the, now. Could Carlos Correa come here for four years and one hundred and twenty-eight well, million? That's not maybe. That's not happening. But I here's what I would say: is at some point the Orioles do have to decide if they're going to eternally be a poverty franchise or not, right? And if they do make the decision that they're not, and I and I don't know, right? Because some teams just in, can, will forever decide to be poverty franchises. We will never, ever, ever you know, uh, what was what was the Dan Duquette line the, about um, the international market? God, I, I can't remember what the term we was. We will not negotiate with terrorists? No, no. Dan Duquette, it, we made fun of it for years. That They like... It, in there, inherently don't believe in the international market or something like that. Totally. There was a oh, phrase. I, I thought you were talking about Sid Thrift when he said Confederate money. No, that was a different thing. The phrase that, that Dan Duquette... Thrift. I know that. I remember that. I'm talking about Dan Duquette. You were seven years old when that happened. I wasn't seven years old, Drew. <laughs> well, you are pretty close. No, I wasn't seven. Jesus. God, I can't remember what this quote was. Uh, and it's you're getting old. You're this. getting old. Oh, I'm getting so <laughs> old. That... You think you're old. I just hung around the blast... Oh yeah, forty I saw years that. ago this I saw, weekend. I saw uh, you think you, you think you're old. We all looked around at one another and we were uh, like yeah, everybody looked in the, everybody <laughs> in Friday night at the team dinner looked around and went, right. Oh my god. I saw your video. I was like, Man. I, I know. I know you're old, but that made me think you were even older, honestly. And I, and I felt young in the room. Oh, I believe That's the that funny too. thing. I believe it too. That's Whatever. The funny we, thing. We fundamentally don't believe. There was some quote like that, and everybody's gonna start telling me right. what it was. Right. Um, at some point the Orioles have to decide. What are they going to be? Are you going to be the Tampa Bay Rays? Are you going to be the team that never, ever, ever pays a player this amount of money or not? If if you've decided that at some point you are, I can make a compelling argument for the Correa thing. I think there's actually well, quite I a compelling argument. Well, I think there are a lot of teams that have never given a guy $350 million. Well, if you're saying 350 specifically, but I'm talking about, you know, just let's go above 200 right? Like how many teams okay. have not paid more than $200 million for a player? And of course, well, if they give this dude three fifty, and and I realize everyone is probably well, a lot of people are going to do this because it's revisionist history. But if they give this right, dude three fifty, why wouldn't you? Have you just know what they're going to say? Why wouldn't you have just paid it to Manny Machado? Like correct. I, I, we've, we've, and we've we've talked about that at nauseum. They're not giving this guy three hundred fifty million dollars. Well, you do have to be fair to every level. Every layer of the organization is a different decision maker than the one that made the decisions related to oh, Manny Machado. I, I you do have agree, to acknowledge but that. But the same people own the team. Kind of. You also know that's not true. Like, kind of we the did, same people the on same, the team. What are you talking about? You're, you have to, you, whatever we want to say, you have to be willing to acknowledge that there has been a change in who is actually making the final decisions in relation to the, the organization. That I guess. Has I mean, I, I guess in terms of the money, I guess you're right. In I, terms of everything, the final decision is not being made by Peter Angelos any longer, which was the case in 2017. I, I would agree with that, but I, but I don't. I haven't seen any proof. Right. That, this goes back to that, the fundamental question: uh, Is is John Angelos fundamentally going to be different or not? And I don't know the answer. We just don't know right. yet because it wouldn't right. have. There has not been the opportunity where it would have made sense 
for him to spend money based on what it is that they're doing. But there is a the logical argument. But I don't that, think there's anything different, and I could be wrong on this. Right. I, I'm, I, I almost would say, and you know, I'm not pressing them to open their books or anything like that. But I would almost say, I kind of think their revenue is down. I don't think their revenue was up from seven or eight years ago. Um, from seven I think eight, it's down. I don't know that that's true in that the Masson has certainly not made less money in that time. Oh, You're, really? No, they haven't. They definitely haven't made huh? less money. Even even the argument on cord cutting has not yet I impacted. don't know about that. Yeah, I would I mean, have to... I, I can. I can have, I would have to see that in black and white. I, I can't tell you that. Believe I, that their re, that Masson's revenue isn't down. I cannot tell you that as of today, but I can tell you that I had that conversation in the lat. In, in uh, God, when would I have done that? Uh, around well, uh, during the pandemic. I mean, since the pandemic has hit, I can tell you right, it's not. I, down. I can't tell you that it's, it hasn't up. greatly appreciated, but it hasn't been down. The question becomes. How many more of these things, these Paul McCartney concerts, can they do? There are new revenue streams they have created related to the Orioles. Digital is becoming new revenue stream. Well, how much money do you really think they're making from that concert? Oh, they're making really? a good. They are making a good amount of money on that concert. It's it's. Multi- well, what's your opinion? What's your opinion of a good amount of money? Multiple millions of dollars. Oh, I would hundred percent disagree. With no, that. I I can from the concert industry. I can tell you that with certainty that they're making multiple millions of dollars on that. Really? Uh, yes. How? Well, I mean, do you know how much the tickets cost? Yeah, I know who gets all of that. No, he doesn't get all of it. Not well, remotely. Most of it. No, not remotely. Uh, I don't know. That's Wouldn't not like that. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I just don't think their revenue, to me, baseball-wise, I, I yeah, just don't think their revenue the is to the point where they can give somebody $35 million but, a but, year. But there's two different questions, right? Like, this, pre- this uh, you have to and first... do they even want that dude? 100% part of the conversation. There's no doubt about do that. Do they really, really want to give this guy $35 million a well, year? The question really? is, is it really the right guy to give that amount of right. money? So there's, plenty of, there's plenty of reasonable questions to be had. But at some point, spending that money isn't going to be based on the revenue that you made the year before. You're going to spend the money based on what the revenue is that you believe you can make. And if they well, you believe, have to, right? For over the next 10 years, if you're this Cat 350, right. and it's guaranteed, if, you've got to be able to. And it's also, keep in mind, if, if at some point you're thinking of selling the team, right. and you owe him $275 million, that that's being oh, presented it's a, it's a, to potential owners that say, right. you, before you sign on this, before you sign the bottom, before you give us, I'm making this number up, before you give us the $940 million for the team and the TV network, keep in mind, you owe 275 to this dude. Which is fair, but I think we've overblown that in recent years. It's not as if no team has been sold without out- serious outstanding contracts on tap. Like the, the, Part of it is getting into the game or not. Do you, do you want in? And, and this is part of inherently the issue is that we don't know the books, so we don't really know how profitable these teams well, are. Well, that's not. always been, right. like, this is, you this know, is, I mean, going is, back to 20 years ago, it's always been the argument when they were actually drawing fans and not back in the old, old, old days when they were drawing fans and not spending money. That was always what people were howling about. Now, th- I mean, this is kind of weird, right? It's almost gone full circle. Now, you almost can understand them saying, we're not giving this guy three hundred fifty million dollars. We've been drafting baseball players for three years, on the on the premise of we don't need to give Correa three fifty. We just drafted this Gunner dude. We don't need to give some other dude two fifty. We just drafted Rutschman. Like this is the actual one time 
when I would almost say, yeah, I wouldn't give that cat $350 million. Uh, Whereas 10 years ago or six years ago when Machado was two years away from being a free agent, we were kind of clamoring for them to fork over money. Now you could almost say, don't give Correa $35 million. You're stupid. The argument that you would, again, if you're trying to come up with a logical argument, the logical argument is if you can front load a contract when you don't have outstanding money on the books, if you can put the big numbers in the first couple of years, you could make this work that you could both sign Correa and he's one piece in three years. It doesn't cost you so much that you couldn't sign other players, which you're going to need to do. Again, does that mean they're going to do it? Of course, I remain 1,000% skeptical they would ever do something like this. Come on, man. I'm not trying to sell it. I'm just trying to present the argument for why could work. It well, could if, be if, something. If, if they sat around somewhere and said, let's rock everybody's world and give someone $350 million, give it to the kid in Atlanta. Like that, you know, I'm, I, if, you you've only, decided, okay. if you've decided to give somebody three fifty, give it, give it to someone that's legit. I don't know if this kid's the $35 million guy, I, but... I can think of a lot of other guys that give thirty five million to beforehand. But they have one, they have to be available, and two, they they ha- you know if if we want to dismiss Mike Elias's relationship in this, we can. But it, it's it's a factor. Mike Elias was part of the reason the Astros drafted Carlos Correa. I, I mean, mean yeah, like I get it. Like this, I get it. That that well, is. I'm going something. to one game. I don't care who they sign. Okay. I, again, I want to make this abundantly clear. I, as I said. As I, what, what are you trying to tell me? I Paul? tweeted you, the, uh, not tweeted, I texted you the quote. Oh, the quote that with Dan Duquette. Well, we're, we're so far removed from yeah. that. Now I don't even remember why I brought it up. Uh, the quote from Dan Duquette. Oh, you can just tell me. Yeah, it's philosophically, we do not participate yeah, in the posting yeah, part of and it. And at some point. Uh, oh, the, that was the Japanese thing, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, philosophically, are they going to be a team that's going to spend money on baseball players or not? Like, they, they, they do have right. That is fundamentally going to have to be the question in the coming years. Because right now, they're going to have to sign pitching. They don't have it. Even if everything else works, they're going to have to sign pitching. So we'll find out. But we got that guy from the Rangers. Right. And I've already forgotten what his name is. Jesus. (laughs) Nolan Ryan. Lyles, yes. Yeah, I don't think it was Nolan Ryan, but they might as well have been. Might as well have been Nolan (laughs) Ryan, no doubt. Well, anyway, I don't think – I'm on the record. I I don't think they're giving anybody $350 million. Now, they might sign the guy, but they're – they're not giving somebody three fifty for ten years, and, and that would be so wildly out of their character. It wouldn't even be funny. Again, yeah, to be clear, this report said they made the offer, but we don't even know what their character is now because it's not the same people that, like Glenn said, it's not the same people making the decisions. Their character uh, could, could be diff- I, totally I, I, different. You, now. I disagree with that. Uh, it's uh, their last name just starts with A. I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that's the, I don't look. I'm only going to separate, and that's that's unfair. Until well, we until we know it's the case, you no, might, it's on them to prove it. it's not unfair. It's that, on them to prove it. I have no problem with you saying I'm going to believe that they're going to operate the and same by the way. way I'm until, not even beating them up. I'm not. Like, I'm not trying to be a prick about it and say they never spent any money. I'm. I, I'm almost the opposite now. Like, we'll, we'll look, dude. We've watched you guys lose 100 games for the last three years. We'll watch you one more year, but bring some kids up, and I. I I'm not even. I'm good with it. I'm good this year because I'm only going to one game. But I'm good with it. Like, one more year? Yeah, sure. Now, if you bring these kids up and you keep losing 100 games, and or you win 80 and you don't go buy, you don't go spend $300 million in two years, then we got a problem. I would agree with that. You know, if we get to 77 wins with this collection of kids that are coming up, and then you don't go get 
you don't go give, and I'm just making up names, I don't even know who I'm talking about, Aaron Nola or whoever. Now, right. you don't, if you don't go get real pitchers and real players in two years, then I think we all have the right to stop up and down. Oh, sure. yeah, at some point, at some point, you're going to have to spend money. At some point, you are. And again, if if as I, once upon a time, I was okay with them spending money on Chris Davis, right? And we all have egg on our face that said we were okay with that. But I made it very clear then: this can't be the only money that you're going to spend. You can't say we're going to do this one time. And I would say, well, that's, that's why this doesn't make any sense either. I, I would say that's why the if, Correa thing doesn't if make what any you're sense. Saying like, is, what are you going to do with him? Win 66 games? If, if Carla, well, for this, obviously, the idea is at some point your guys come together. But I would still say the exact same thing. Even if we're taking this seriously and you say Carlos Correa is going to be the end of the money that we spend, it would be insane for you to do that. Like, does he bring the trash cans with him, or do they? how does that work? <laughs> hey, uh, you're you're welcome for giving you content the other day. You're welcome for that. What'd you so, do? What happened? What was it? You wrote about the, the Maryland thing from the other day. and me Oh, oh, oh. Going back. Well, I wasn't I mean, even in a fight because I, I like Jeff. He's one of my that's friends. That's what I said. It wasn't a fight. It was a piss. Yeah, it was just a professional back and forth. You and I have had them before. I've won most of them, but no, we've had them. Did, did you? i try to remember those. I, I but I thought that was a very, look, you know this. I, I, I have no interest in, do, God bless you for doing it. I have no interest in sitting around on the radio for four hours and talking about sports anymore. It just doesn't right. interest me. But things do interest me. Like, you know, I said to you two weeks ago, as much as like people pick on golf and, and, and I'll talk about golf for four hours every day. Golf had two very compelling stories come around both on the heels of one another, um, the, the incidents, the crazy stuff that happened in Phoenix, and then the Mickelson stuff. Right. Basketball, college basketball to me, this basketball season became very interesting when Turgeon quit. Became very interesting to me. Because yeah. it never happens, right? It doesn't. And, and Maryland's never had to go through this. And I, I, so I thought your debate, if you want to call it that, the other day was very interesting. Like that, that, and and I still think it's interesting when coaches around the country get the call from uh, Evans or whoever it is that's going to call, or some board of regents yeah, guy that calls. Firm, right? Are they going to do the Lou Brown? Like, eh, I got some, yeah, got some, yeah, yeah, line, got some, some white tires, so I'll call yeah, you back. One hundred percent. Or are they going to really be interested? And I think that's a very interesting story for a program, as you pointed out, that you know. I mean, 20 years ago, they won the national title. Correct. They, they haven't really done anything of note since then. Nothing. Nothing. But, right, but there is this thought, and I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not beating you up, or there's a thought by people that, like, it's Maryland, Maryland basketball, pe people would die to come here and be the coach. And I don't see that, personally. I don't think that's true. I think it might have been true if they were still in the ACC. But I don't think it's true now. But I like the debate of it. And, you know, you and that guy, whoever it was, I don't even know who it is. Jeff Ehrman um, from Inside MD Sports. Oh, Jeff Ehrman, right. So, you know, he's in, in, in some way, shape, or form connected. And, you know, you've got the Gary Williams tattoo on your rear end. So you guys are both... <laughs> I had it removed. I had it removed that night. Yeah, they removed yelled, after they fired after, after, you know, after, after, after he yelled at me at the Morgan State game. Oh, right. That's when I but had you're it both like diehards, and so when diehards argue about things, I, that I find it interesting. So okay, I found so, that interesting. So there's two things. I'm definitely not a diehard any longer. Like, there's no. The, 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 I, I'm not going to push back on you that once upon a time I was. There's no question that I was. But I'm, I'm barely a diehard of anything. I'm, I'm, I'm only a diehard of diehard any longer, right? I love John McClain, but otherwise, I, you know. 
I, what's happened to me is what happens to a lot of other people when they have kids, right? Like, I, I, remember, right, right, right. I remember walking into you one morning and saying, you don't care about that? And you were like, dude, I know about Handy Manny, and that's the list of things Correct, that which was a great show, by the way, and, back in the day. And I didn't understand that at that point in my life, but I right. get it now. I, I did right. not have significant passions in my life outside of my right. kids. And, that's and the that's list. sort of the way I am. But but you, when I, golf is very I, much still a passion. And to a lesser extent, correct. tennis is not the way it is golf to you, but tennis is still a passion of mine. Like I still care about it in a way that I don't care about other things. Not nearly the level that you are with golf, but I still care about it, both playing and watching um, quite a bit. But that's about it. Like That's about the list of things that I'm passionate about any longer. The job requires me to care about certain things, and I do, and I certainly understand what the community cares about, but part of this is acknowledging that. Like you, I can't walk in and pretend. Once upon a time, Maryland basketball really mattered. We needed to put on the opposing coaches. We needed to talk to broadcasters from the other teams because the games mattered. I can't 100%. pretend. 100%. They don't any longer. They right. don't So there's matter. the argument. But there's the argument, right? Like, why are 12,000 people going to the games? Why are and, – and so, you know, it's those, – those kind of things interest me. Like, I, I – I don't really, I mean, I say I, I don't care if they win or lose. Like, I kind of don't care if anybody wins or loses anymore, honestly. But right. I, I, find the, I find these stories and these discussions to be interesting. So yeah, that's I, why I wrote about it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that it's, um, this has always been my argument with Maryland, right? Yep. Is we are, we are there, is, there is a tentacle in Baltimore that Maryland touches us. But I've never felt it. Like, personally, I've never really felt anything about Maryland that's connected with me. You're watching all of the games now. (laughs) That's the thing, which is really bizarre. Right. I I watch it now. But I think that I'm mostly interested now because of the coaching situation. Like I, I don't, yeah, and it, and it I don't is, really right. care what players are. Uh, right. I don't care that Dante Scott doesn't play any defense. Right. And people go on Twitter and yell about how Dante Scott doesn't play any defense. I've been to the games. I've watched him. He's terrible. Right. But I, I, I don't even care about that. But I do think the coaching thing is very interesting. Like, who are they going to get? Who are they going to offer to that says no? I find that stuff very compelling. Look, I think it. I do think it's fascinating. Are they really going to hire Rick Pitino? Like, uh, really? I, I poked around on that this morning, and, and as I've said a couple times, that's on the, the guy you're going to center on. I've said a couple times on the show. Every if you actually listen to what the junkies said this morning, they didn't say anything that was out of line. The money people, there are money people at Maryland that definitely want Rick Pitino to be the next coach, and in fact, some Man. of the powerful money people might feel strongly about it. But as I've been reminded by two separate sources now. A lot of money people didn't want Mark Turgeon to be gone either. A lot of money people wanted Mike Leach to be the next football coach. The notion that the money people are the ones that are hiring the next coach is not true. That doesn't mean it can't be Rick Pitino. It could be. But the idea that he's the front runner for the job, which is sort of how it was passed around on Twitter, that's not true either. I mean, that would be, it would be comical. They might as well hire Billy the Kid. I mean, that would be I mean, comical if they hired. It, it would be insane, but you can't ignore the fact that he is a hell of a basketball coach. Like, you can say whatever you want. The guy's a damn good basketball coach. Um, it, I, I know, but I, there's so many oh, other dude, pieces I'm, to that puzzle. I'm, I, it wouldn't be something that I would do. And I was Who, care, who carries the bag? You know, where's the money given? How, okay, how does but, it happen? Like, but come that, on. Hang on. They, they almost have to hire somebody that, like that. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> this is college basketball that we're talking about, right. bro. No, like, I get it. I get they they it. almost have to. I had another... I'm sticking I had with a, what I said at the beginning. I... I still think it's going to be the guy from USC. 
Uh, oh, I, I definitely think it's the mo- it's him or Willard, right? I've, I've thought I've thought it was the the one that it sold me because I I actually wrote for Pressbox about the thing that that Jeff and I were talking about a little bit. Um, the uh, the third name that has come up a ton is Ed Cooley, right, from Providence. And Ed Cooley is the one that I have convinced myself is the guy that just says, no, you're not important enough for me to leave a place where I'm He's happy. already at Maryland. Not at Maryland. It's Providence. He's not at Maryland, though. And I do disagree. I don't know about that. I think you can be a great coach at Providence, a truly great coach at Providence, and the circumstances to try to win a national championship will always be more difficult than they will be at a, a school that has – it's so – I get it. Villanova's done it. I understand that Gonzaga has come very close. It's so difficult to win at a school where there isn't a football program to help you make money. That inherently, uh, okay. I if, mean, if you're uh, maybe if you are the same level of coach at Maryland as you are at Providence. Well, you know, you, I, you know, the standing joke would be right. They don't I, really I, have I football at Maryland. I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. I understand <laughs> what you're saying. I, I assure you, they still get part of that Big Ten Network TV deal. Right, like, but I know what you're saying. Like, I mean, they get, that matters. I, I get that, but I I look at the two. I don't know. I I, I think I've. I think, and maybe, I, and I'm not even a, again. Like I'm not even a diehard, and right. them leaving the ACC, is kind of shook me. And, like, that, and that's fine. I, as I said a million times, if Maryland was really good for the last decade, th- th- we would not talk about this the same way. I'm not saying there wouldn't be people that would still be bothered by it. But we, keep in mind that remember who it was that Maryland was going to be a that, remember who Maryland's rival was going to be the team that they were guaranteed to get two games against every year in the ACC was Pitt. It was not going right. to be the same ACC. Yeah, it wasn't going to be Duke and North Carolina. Oh, right, right, right. It wasn't going to be the same thing. And if Maryland was really good and playing very important games against Michigan State and and, and, and whoever Wisconsin every year, the place would be packed to go see those really important games. The bigger problem is Maryland hasn't been that good. That that's at the end of the day, we can't shake that. That's the well, bigger issue. We do issue. get Rutgers and Penn State twice. That is, and it's helpful. You need those. Uh, they're they're it's a it's anyway. Um, How about all, Nebraska beating Ohio yeah, State? All right, getting a win. Boy, boy. Um, imagine being in Ohio State and losing back-to-back games to Maryland and Nebraska. Jesus. Right. But what Including I would say is Ed, Ed Cooley to me is the guy that if I'm happy, right, if I'm at a place where I'm beloved, Ed Cooley's won one game ever in the NCAA tournament, and he's a beloved, iconic figure at his alma mater. They pack that building every night for basketball games. It's an insane atmosphere. Why in the F am I walking away from that from Maryland? If it was, if it was, Duke, sure. I mean, you don't have to convince you know, me. I mean, I, that's why I said he, he's he's already at Maryland. But that's the only part I back. It's de- Maryland is definitely a better job than Providence, but happiness outweighs that. It's not such okay. a better job than Providence that if I'm happy, I don't go there, right? Like if I'm happy, I hope here, Ed Cooley remembers that when he was at Fairfield, nobody cared about him. I used to have him on. I, I'm sure he thinks about it constantly, Drew. I'm sure he has constantly remembered all of the times that he so. appeared on the morning. When show. he was a nobody. All right, let's play he and Dennis Wolf. Uh, you love Dennis Wolf. You wanted oh. to marry Dennis Wolf at one oh. point. You're a big Dennis Wolf fan. Oh. All right, let's uh, let's play Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Have you seen what they're doing with the Smoky Thigh Wings for St. Patrick's Day? By the way. I don't know what I'm doing for St. Patrick's Day yet, no, but I'm, it, I'm talking but about Glory, Glory. I'm talking about Glory Days Grill. Have you seen? But I'll be, I'll be there. Right, but they are doing smoke the smoky thigh wings in a Ben's 
Guinness grilling sauce. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll, I'll do that. Correct. I need a thousand right now. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to find out more and get your order in. All right. Um, I mean, I've been, we got to hustle because I got a twelve o'clock meeting at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Okay. Well, tell John I said hello. Uh, okay. Would you rather? There's not a baseball season at all this year, but in October a new deal gets reached, and the Orioles do indeed sign Carlos Correa to a nine-year, three hundred million dollar deal. Or we still get a one hundred and sixty-two game season this year, but the Orioles don't sign an impact-free agent until after the twenty twenty-four season at the earliest. Oh Lord. I don't even know how to answer that because I don't even care about Carlos Correa. I, if he never plays a minute, I, I couldn't care less. I, I mean, I want there to be a season. So whatever whatever answer that is. You, you, you're taking the 162-game season. I want there to be a season. Right? Have you seen? I'm only going one game. But, right. well, if they played all yeah. – if they didn't – if they start on time, I, I may go uh, ten times. Have you seen the Wheel of Fortune thing yet? I did. Would you rather – Oh, my gosh. This morning – you're on oh a uh, uh, imagine so it, it can't be your company because that's just you. Uh, but we'll okay. we'll, say, we'll uh, Calvert Hall. That's the company. Okay. There's a there's a staff meeting at Calvert Hall, company wide meeting, on Zoom, and somehow you screw up. Everyone sees you in your underwear on that Zoom meeting. Or would you rather have to go back to the to the office? And again, we'll use Calvert Hall as the example. You got to go back there this morning as the lady from the Wheel of Fortune thing last night. It's, well, I, you know, I mean, you've seen me in my underwear, so you probably know the answer Sad, to that. Sadly, I've seen true. you in your underwear on GCR. I'll, I'll take, <laughs> I'll, right. I'll take the underwear thing. You'd rather, wait a second. You'd rather <laughs> have everybody see you in your underwear. <laughs> well, I just don't know if I could go back there oh having God. missed having missed that. Yeah, it's a that is a tough look being back in the right. office that day. Right. Uh, all right, and uh, yeah, I don't think you care about number three, so we'll just save that and do it somewhere else. What's coming up at DrewsMorningDish.com? I don't know. Tomorrow, we'll, we, I don't we know. tackle it one day at a time. You never of, know what might hell happen. Of, hell of a sale. <laughs> you may, well, you never know what might happen. I can tell you that we're going to be there tomorrow, and it'll be worth coming people to. People racing over for the <laughs> good check out. It's good today. We got a hockey breakdown. We got Maryland basketball. We got me beating uh, up baseball. Uh, and tomorrow, there'll be more of that. Okay. That, but we, it, it's a lot like the old radio show. You never know until yeah, the morning of. I got a funny feeling, you guys. It just sort of sounds like you guys haven't really done any prep. <laughs> it sounds that way. Uh, at It's a Hooded Foreign on Twitter is how you follow him. Thanks, pal. We'll talk to you next All week. All right. Go off. Yeah. Drew Forrester, com. Joining us here on GCR. All right. Uh, uh, Paul, would you rather uh, no baseball season at all, but the Orioles uh, sign Carlos Correa to a nine-year, $300 million deal in October, or we get that 162-game season, but the Orioles don't sign an impact-free agent until after the 2024 season at the earliest. I'll take the latter because I don't know that they're going to do that anyway. And I don't. I, I kind of agree with Drew. I like Carlos Correa, but I don't think he's a 33 to $35 million a year player. Okay. Um, the... From KZ, uh, I don't like the choice. That's the idea. K- Jesus. Uh, but if I must choose no season, uh, from Ian, give me Correa in October. From from Paul and Ovilando, I'll take a full season for this year because I want to start seeing Adley Rutschman and Grayson in Orioles uniform sooner rather than later. I can wait on free agents while I watch Kyle Stowers and Gunnar Henderson and Kyle Bradish and others to see what it is that they can do. From, oh boy, I think I got a little burp in there. <laughs> That was 
Very professional. From Chris, give me a full 162-game season, and we wait. This team is not one player away. From Tony, Tony says, Glenn to me, ultimately, the value of knowing that the team is willing to spend that much money on a player, no matter who it is, is so significant that I have to choose that scenario. And the other scenario, I don't know if they're ever signing a player. To your point, you said, at the earliest, that doesn't guarantee they ever do it. That is true. That is why I use that verbiage, Tony. That's the exact reason you have figured it out. Um, we'll save it. Number two, would you rather be the person who everybody in the company Underwear. sees? You? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, you, your physique. No, look man. At, look at Paul I, I let Valley myself over go over the, last, over the last month or so. You've let yourself go? I, I have. I'm actually pretty upset about okay. it, but story okay. for another day. I, by the way, I went to the trampoline park with the kids on Sunday and did like the uh, Ninja Warrior wall thing where you got to run up it and then pull yourself up. And I swear to God, I have not felt right since. Like, <laughs> I am not kidding. And in fact, we're too old for this, Glenn. I used so much of my strength that I then did the part where you zip line into the foam with, and I fell. I could not hang on to the zip line. I fell off as soon as the zip line started moving. I was the only adult doing it, right? <laughs> and I started with that. I kept saying to the kids, like, I don't think I should be doing this. It's like, no, 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 we want you to do it, right? And all these kids are standing in line like, what? what is this? What do we want? Why? <laughs> Why are you doing this? <laughs> this is very awkward to begin with. And I was so weak from having pulled myself up. Then the other bit, too, is I kept having to pull my... like I get up the ninja, the tall Ninja Warrior wall. My seven-year-old could get up the shorter Ninja Warrior wall. My four-year-old could not get up either one. So I was leaning over the edge of the wall for him to instead grab my hand, and then I would pull him up the rest of the way. And then my seven-year-old wanted to do that with the tall ninja warrior wall so i spent probably 30 minutes of my day trying to pull kids up with one arm i was shot and then i started a new gym this week and it was very uncomfortable they offer a hydro massage i'm going to take advantage of that later on today because i am still not right from my trip to the trampoline park i'm a thousand years old i'm a very very old man responses uh from chris uh, let them see me in my underwear they will suffer the trauma not me fair argument Fair argument. Um, KZ, are we just going to ignore the other two dudes who guessed the wrong letters? I suppose. But underwear it is. They all know I'm fat, not stupid. I get it. And by the way, I think what didn't one of the other two guys just go bankrupt, lose a turn? Like he didn't even get a chance. Right. I think he actually knew the answer. He just never got a chance. I don't think it was both of them that screwed up. I think it was the lady that had a miserable night, and then one of the other guys who's like lucky that the other lady was dumber than he was, so he's not the one taking the brunt of the embarrassment this morning. I think they both actually hit bankrupt. I think, like back, I, back but bankrupt. I think he guessed a wrong letter too in there. I think he guessed like a B or something like that. Um, like he he hit bankrupt once, and then he guessed a B the other time, if I remember correctly. So it's, I don't think it's both of them is the point. I think one was worse than the other. Uh, from Ian, I go with being this lady. If she doesn't know the saying, she doesn't know the saying. Ah, dude. I mean, everybody knows that saying. Uh, I don't think that's easy to. Ah, uh, that's that's. Here's the problem that I have. I absolutely have a problem, and I was gonna call you out on this not that long ago because you said something about it. the the thing where we're like where we're almost proud of our naivete, right? Like it does ELO. You were like, I don't know who yellows, and I don't care. It's bad. Like that's very millennial. That's very like y- you should know that you should be embarrassed by that. Now, no, no it I shouldn't. No, it's a band should. that, I, that I don't know. Stop, stop, stop. They're very famous. 
to say, I'm not telling you you should know 12 ELO songs. To not know who ELO is, is embarrassing. Maybe I know the songs and don't know that they're called ELO. I, I, whatever it is, but the point is... You can't make me is, embarrassed about stop, something. That's the not. part of the problem. That's part of the problem. This is a very millennial thought process. I embarrass which very is, easily. Which is, I don't... Stop. Stop. You're getting defensive. Listen. Because it's a stupid stop, thing to come at stop. me for. Stop. You need to stop. Listen. We all should try to be more knowledgeable at everything. We should never be proud of our lack of knowledge. If I don't know something, I'm not going to know everything. You don't have to know everything. But if we don't know something, the response should be, yeah, I didn't know about that, I know now. Or I'm going to learn more about something. We should never, ever take pride in our lack of knowledge about something. That's embarrassing to take pride in it. And let me just say... It was only because I was being attacked for not knowing it. Th this is your defensiveness. So? There's nothing. You shouldn't be proud of that. I, I, Glenn, I'm not proud Stop, of you're it. You're getting defensive, Paul. Stop getting defensive. Stop it. Whatever, dude. No, no, no. You're being defensive. Stop. You should never, ever be proud of a lack of knowledge about something. You're a making banner. an assumption. No, I saw you. You 100% responded to somebody to say that you were, you're, you're getting defensive about it. I'm not calling. I responded to Proctor. This is the thing. You should never, ever, no one, I shouldn't, no one should ever be proud of not knowing something. But it's become a millennial thing to be like, so what? So I don't know. Stop. I didn't know. That's okay. It's okay to not know something. Nobody's saying this lady should be hung in the gallows for not knowing something. But there is the exact opposite way that we've gone, which is the idea of being proud about not knowing something. Huh. I don't care. No, we should know better than that. In the same way that embarrasses me that I don't know how to fix my or change my own oil. I'm embarrassed by that. We should all be embarrassed by those things and try to do better as a society. It's not hard. Try to be better. Try to learn. Try to get more information. Try to improve and be more well-rounded people. Eternally should always be what we're striving for instead of, so what? So I didn't know that saying. So what? No, acknowledge it. Say, yeah, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing that I didn't know that. I'm going to try to do better. It's not hard. This is how functioning society should work, is we should constantly strive to be better and more knowledgeable. Well, then shouldn't the other side not try to make somebody feel bad for something they don't know? This is like you're having a totally different... We're all taking enjoyment of watching this lady get uh, this thing right. on wrong right. on, on Wheel of Fortune, Correct. That we should be able. I, I, I didn't take enjoyment of it. I was well. I yes, was of course, it's cringe. But you yeah. watched it. hundred percent. You yeah. want. We it's all watched it. Yeah. We all did that. There is always going to be that element, and this can be that simple. Yeah, that was embarrassing. I'm going to be better. That's not. It's not hard. We should all acknowledge. When I get something wrong, I should acknowledge. I got that wrong. Yesterday, you got the the. I thought you got the wording wrong, and I was wrong. I acknowledge I'm wrong. I should do better. Period. That's the way it should always be. But we've become this defensive society that it's you're wrong for me being wrong. No, we should account, be accountable. We should be the ones that step up and say, that's embarrassing. That lady shouldn't hate her life. I, I, I hope that's not the case. But it still should be awkward when she goes back to work the next day and didn't get that thing right. That's got to be an uncomfortable well, scenario. To her, she can laugh it off. I hope that's the case. I hope it's the case. But it definitely shouldn't be met with a defensive, so what? So you're... You're, you're the jerk. I'm a... Stop. We just, we've lost our mind as a society in this way that we're proud of the things we don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. And it, 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 it,
drives me nuts. Drives me nuts, especially with young people. With young people, it's become like like a like a badge of honor that you have a blind spot about something. I make fun of uh, who was it? Was it Jake Luke that didn't know about John Glenn? Like I make fun of him for it, but like you should know who John Glenn is. Period. If you don't, you should go try to figure that out. I don't care as strongly about There's Something About Mary, although I do think that the kids should go see There's Something About Mary. It's a very funny movie. It's an American classic. But we should never be proud of our blind spots. We should never, ever say something like, yeah, I don't, you know, it's not a big, we should always be striving to be better. Every single person in a society should be striving to be better and more knowledgeable and all of those things. Like, it should always be the case. Number three, would you rather Rick Pitino with Juan Dixon as coach in waiting or any coach, including Eric Musselman, that's not 60 years old? Patino with Dixon and waiting. Why? I just think that Patino gives you a certain cachet as a university, um, despite some of the, the the background stuff with him. I think he gives you more cachet as a as a more powerful university, and then you have a guy who he, who's learning, who is probably the, the, one of the most popular people in the history of the of the, of the college. Mm-hmm. That would be coming in after him. I just think it would be a good look. Okay, all right, I'll listen to that. I don't, I don't think I could hire Rick Pitino. I just don't think I could do that. And Eric Musselman would be such a slam dunk as a hire. And it's, to, to John and Little Rock's point, no, of course it's not happening. Eric Musselman's not going to Maryland. But it would be such a slam dunk as a hire that I would have to do that. All right. Uh, continue to get me your responses for Would You Rather Wednesday at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. And somebody will be chosen at random to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit, tubular, wind down for a Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for a Wednesday edition of the program. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook in Live Casino and Hotel. 51 self-service kiosks that are open 24-7, so no matter what it is that you want to bet on, whether you want to bet on a a soccer match that's starting at 7 a.m. or at 2 a.m., no matter what time, you can bet in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Plus, sign up for live awards right now. You can win your share of $10,000. Got to sign up by March 31st. Cash drawing is April 1st. And on top of all of that, when you sign up for live rewards, new live rewards members can earn up $20 in free play. Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, so I kind of had to do this one on the fly because my original tidbit wasn't good. Okay. It was it was something about the University of Maryland baseball team. It was going to end up— uh, They won again yesterday. Yeah, they're 8-0, they're, they're they're team ERA of two. It was going to be who was the most famous player to have ever played in Major League Baseball that played at the University of Maryland. How's that quantifiable? Right. Well, it, it, not, it's quantifiable because there's no like Brandon Lau is probably the, the maybe, but is Brandon Lau more famous than Eric Milton was? Is Brandon right, Lau more famous than um, Ron Svoboda? You he's know, not like, more famous than Moonlight Graham. Okay. I mean, yeah. If you want to go that far, sure, we can go yeah, that far. Moonlight Graham yeah, played, yeah. but at, I mean, you say that. I don't. I don't know how to quantify that. Right. You say, is he more? Fa- I don't know. I genuinely don't know if he's more famous or the, not. The millions of people that have seen I, Field of Dreams. I, I get it. I get the thought process. That's very difficult. To yeah. Quantify. So, but th- but that's that's why I, I yeah, decided. No, to there's it no way to do on that. the fly. Right. So, okay. um, I realized last night that the Atlanta Braves were the last team to win the World Series. Be uh, were the First team to win the World Series after the last work stoppage in baseball. 94, yeah. In 90, they so won they won the 95, 95 World Series, yeah. And they're the last team to win the World Series before, before the next work stoppage. Yeah. Next work stoppage. So they sandwiched okay. in between work stoppages. How about that? So my question for you, a lot of people are up in arms about uh, 12-team playoffs, 14-team playoffs, because it's going to water things down. What are the worst? There are one, two, three, four, five, six teams with the worst records to make the playoffs since they expanded the playoffs the first time in 1995. It was actually 94, but when there was no World When they series. expanded it to four teams in each league. Yeah. So, but I will give you a hint. All of these records yeah. have happened since 2006. They, they would almost have to because there was only one wild card team at that point. Um, God, I don't remember. I feel like there was a Cardinals team that just snuck in there, though. The 2006 Cardinals won 83 games, yeah, that's but they also familiar. won the World Series. Yeah. I want to say there was a Giants team that just snuck in. No. 
to be tricky. Uh, how about the Orioles in 16? No. The 12 Orioles? No, they say. won They won 93 games that year. 12, that's what I thought. What did they win in, in 2016? 89. Eight, so all these teams won less than 89 games? Mm-hmm. Jeez. 86 or less, actually. My God. Um, God, I don't remember. Um... Uh, but okay, so this ignores the year in which the 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 well, the I'm, 2020, I'm, the I'm 2020 2020. I'm oh, you are b- by winning percent just because it's, it's, it's laughable well, with this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember who the there was somebody that got in that was below 500. The Marlins? No, they were they two were, games they above. Were above. God, who was it? The Brewers? Oh man, I do remember there being a really bad team that made the playoffs that year. Well, they were they are a good team, and if they had played a full season, they probably would have deserved to be there eventually. But they weren't good for 60 games. I, for some reason, thought I remember the Brewers being bad that year. Um, and they're actually on this list twice. This team is on this list twice. The Astros? The Astros were 29-31 and 31 uh, in 2020, okay. and they had 86 wins in 2015 when they won a wild card. Okay. Um, the uh, I'll I'll say let's the Yankees were on there at some point. The Rays, they were close. No. the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. the I'm just naming teams now. I don't I don't remember the Indians, no. the the Red Sox. Uh, you, I mean, you could just name yeah, every, every I, team. So the the, the, the twenty yeah. the 2008 Dodgers had 84 wins and won their division. The twenty the 2007 Cubs had 85 kind of wins that. and won their division. Oh, that's right. I definitely remember that. And the 2017 Twins had 85 wins and won their division. I don't think I remember that, but that, I, I believe you. I believe that to be the case. I'm trying to pull up the 2020 season. I could have sworn that Brewer. 2020. I think they were uh, like 35 and 25. No, the Brewers were 29 and 31. Did I got mean? this correct. Oh, th- And they were the eighth seed I in the playoffs. That's, the that, Brewers were 29 and 31. Like I, I got said, that I, right. You did. You did. You're, uh, Damn. I apologize. I, I Like I said, I had to do this one on the fly. And God. I forgot that they were under 500. Made I thought it was just the Astros that were under 500. Feels, made me feel stupid, but I acknowledge that I got the rest of them wrong. I did <laughs> not get any of the other ones right, but I did get that one. And I don't want credit for it. All right, here's what's coming up tonight, Totally Tubular. Uh, senior night for Maryland in College Park. They take on Minnesota. That's at 9 o'clock on BTN. Uh, I'll be at Loyola at 5 o'clock for some lacrosse, a good local lacrosse matchup against Towson. Uh, both teams really needing to win. That's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Mount St. Mary's opens the NEC tournament tonight at 7 against St. Francis, Brooklyn. That's on NEC front row. Uh, other Big Ten hoops tonight. BTN's got Rutgers, Indiana at 7. The rest of the college basketball, find at glennclarkradio.com. ESPN, Knicks Sixers at 7.30. Uh, Blazers, Suns at 10. TNT's got Blues Rangers at 7.30. Predators, Kraken at 10. TBS for AW Dynamite tonight at 8. Non-sports highlights? Um, you're... Big uh, lineup Wednesday night lineup on ABC. The Goldbergs at eight. The Wonder Years eight thirty. The Connors at nine. And Home Economics at nine thirty. Um, Zoe Kravitz is going to be on uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Pam and Tommy episode seven that's on right. uh, Hulu tonight. That's, that's about it. I think last epi- last week's episode was that good. Yeah, it I think on- it is really slowed down. I think this is the problem. They tried to hook you on like sex and craziness, and then they're like, now we want to tell a show that's about women's issues. And I appreciate that. I'm not trying to suggest that. Anything, there is absolutely a story about how horribly Pamela Anderson was treated. There is no question about that. But it feels like a rope-a-dope. 
Mm-hmm. It feels like they sucked you in with those first three. Right, episodes. we want to give you this crazy, and now it's going to just be a dramatic show that's not really funny or anything. Like yeah, here's a talking penis, right? And now like, here's it's a pretty this. drastic difference between talking penis and women's rights. Like, and I'm not again, I'm not saying either is less relevant. It just sort of feels like you shouldn't you shouldn't sell the show as being one thing. To then halfway through make it a completely different thing, you're just going to kind of lose interest a little bit in yeah. what might be a message that's worth telling anyway. Um, just seems like it's been, I've been had a little bit yeah. in uh, being hooked good. on this show. All right, very good. Uh, thanks today to Antonio Rizzuto from Towson. Thanks also to Drew Forrester as well as to Chris Trapasso from CBSSports.com. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Paul's uh, leaving on a jet plane never to come back again. Um, so uh, Jordan will be in tomorrow. We are scheduled to be joined in studio by Bruce Cunningham tomorrow and Stuff and Things as well on a Thursday edition of the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the CIAA Tournament, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line K9, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Maryland. Go Loyola or Towson. I do work for Loyola. Uh, Go Mount St. Mary's. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.